Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. on our internet analytic here aka dreams and i'd like to welcome you to mine which i call the notorious mass effect podcast i'm your hip-hop and gaming news source with a little bit of r&b mixed in before we get into the episode title into episode 131 of course there's a lot of announcements to make and not even announcements it's just acknowledgement you know like the great Aubrey Graham, and yes, this is probably a world record on a podcaster mentioning Drake in the episode. But besides that fact, there's a lot of things that I'm grateful for. And one of them, with it being Thanksgiving, I want to give thanks to y'all as we have finally, I say finally, but that comes off abrasive. So let me just say, we have gotten to the point where now, Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I got to turn it up. I got to turn it. You know, I try not to use this. Uh, I don't try to overuse the sound effect, but I think I think this calls for it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have finally surpassed 2 million total downloads. Now, of course, I think one of the biggest things with me passing this benchmark is y'all's consistent support you know one of the things about creating content is i do it out of the passion for the subject matter right but how often i do it and the consistency i think is a reflection on y'all's support so i'm not saying i wouldn't do this if there was no money involved or if there wasn't no support involved but i would not do it as often as i as i do now so with everybody supporting coming in week after week month after month even day after day because you know i'll be dropping <laughs> i definitely be dropping to support to listen to whatever music gaming reviews i have for my random side tangents whenever i'm talking about aubrey graham whenever i'm getting into cultures that i don't even know or speak the language of whether it's the Latin community or the K-pop community. Y'all stuck with me and continue to support. And obviously, as you see by the chart, it's just increasing. If you don't know, this is from Red Circle because the hosting platform I'm under is Red Circle. And 
All right, that's enough applause. Hold up, that's getting on my nerves. I ain't gonna lie to you. Hold up, yeah, let me turn that back off. All right, there we go. Okay, I'm sorry. That was that was enough applause. You know, I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all. You know what I mean? Hey, pat myself on the back. Now it's funny. So basically, the chart that you're seeing is because if you don't know, I started this podcast in 2020, but I had to restart because Universal Music Group huge conglomerate of a music label basically targeted my podcast and while obviously there was things that made sense for them to take down like playing music and stuff but obviously i cover games as well and they just took the whole thing down so i had to start from scratch not once but twice and this time i started with the new hosting platform red circle of course i learned my lesson with every loss comes a lesson and with that lesson was just not to play music because it's not like people just come solely to listen to music like they come to hear my takes obviously so it's like i just stopped playing the music and it wasn't no problem for me so then switching to red circle because previously i was on anchor that's where the whole um video aspect was coming from that's why everything was on one platform with anchor because they had video element uh red circle doesn't but you know shameless plug i do have an account on anchor which is analytic dreams video on spotify that has the video version because you can only get the video version on spotify through anchor so with that being said i switched from anchor to red circle because i'm like if they're not going to protect me like the second time i didn't play music at all i was like if they're not going to protect me i might as well go to another hosting platform and with red circle i just really feel like the support has been immense and i literally met the person I think I don't know if I don't know if I should should say a name. Probably not. You know, it's it's probably more of a behind the scenes type thing. But I met the person who manages my account, and she was really nice. The interaction went well, went amazing. I might add, because sometimes huge companies is just like you do your thing and we'll do our thing and there's never no face to face or type of acknowledgement. And for Red Circle, not saying they have to. But it was definitely nice that they did and she reached out and she set up a whole zoom meeting and everything but basically all i'm saying i'm saying that to say this the way that the journey has been going over at red circle has obviously and i mean night and day compared to anchor as far as compatibility as far as being welcome feeling like you're contributing the engagement from people who are higher up if that makes sense they really know what you're trying to achieve with your goals and that is a reflection of the numbers because if you think about it red circle we currently have 60 to 80,000 weekly downloads as far as the audience right on anchor the biggest i ever achieved was 6,000 I believe weekly downloads so to put in perspective the jump I made from anchor to red circle it's pretty significant so that's why I want to shout out to red circle wouldn't be possible without them just a wonderful hosting platform one of the best the best out there and just forever grateful so supporters I'm grateful for y'all red circle as far as the hosting platform really thankful for y'all and we did it man two million total downloads and i say we did it because you know we passed the milestone obviously we're still growing like 
if you don't see on the chart it says uh january 16th through november 4th and if you don't know we achieved a million total downloads like a month or two ago so basically we're growing exponentially so Tom only tell what type of milestones and benchmarks will pass in the future. So that being said, I don't want to drag it on too long. You know, I don't want to be long winded, but I do have another thing to say. That's why it's a, a definitely a jam packed <laughs> intro. So basically, hold up. I don't want to spoil it. Give me one second. I got to make sure it's right. Um, basically, uh, feed spot feed spot reached out if you don't know that's a podcaster's database for podcasters right i don't know it's hey that's the name hey don't don't kill the messenger basically they reached out to me and essentially going off of what i just said previously it also applies here as i'm not saying that it's because it's in seven day that i wanted to acknowledge or yeah i'm not saying just because of in seven day is why I'm acknowledging this. But with it being Mass Effect Day officially, November 7th, in seven, if you don't know, for all my uh, Mass Effect fans out there, is, you know, Mass Effect Day. But you already know. I wanted to point out how not only were we not three, four, five, six, seven, eight. But we also was not too. Now let me just, hey, let you put the puzzle pieces together. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. You know, I ain't trying to say what, what's the obvious. You know, what's obvious don't need to be stated. You can just see it. And for people who don't know what I'm talking about, you're going to have to come over to Analytic Dreams video on Spotify. I'm sorry. You know, you got to see the video version to see what I'm talking about. But... <clears throat> let's just say there was a best mass effect podcast list made and our placement was very interesting i'm just gonna leave it at that you know hey so shout out to feed spot you know they reached out to me october 26 talk about cpt time i mean i'm sorry for the lateness of me acknowledging this list but you know i feel like how fitting would it be to acknowledge this list on n7 day for my mass effect fans out there so technically we could walk around saying you know as far as the masses i need to put that in a poll like what do we call ourselves now because honestly i feel like that's a name that y'all give to yourselves like i don't know what to call y'all right like imagine i call you something and then you'd be like that's not what i would be that's not what i want to be called by right and now we got a 2023 problem on our hands you feel me so I'm just going to keep saying the masses and we're going to see if that sticks and or what y'all come up with. So based on the masses, we found ourselves at a nice spot on this list. Let's just leave it at that. You know, I'm not trying to brag and I'm just being a little humble. You know what I'm saying a little humble. I'm just saying we might be the mess. We might be the best Mass Effect podcast ever. That's all I'm saying. I'm sorry. I had to say it. You know what I mean? Y'all didn't. Y'all did pull it out of me. Pause. You know what I'm saying? Somebody had to acknowledge it. You know? It's like Drake. Wait, I forgot to uh, finish that that line. Basically, it's like when Arby Graham said, "I need acknowledgement. If I got it, then tell me I got it." Then, 
so for for you spot shout out to y'all because y'all obviously acknowledge that i got it or that we got it as the masses all right i'm done so now <laughs> so that was the intro all right so a long update you know i loved it well i do love to do updates but i also love that y'all love when i do updates because i didn't do an update for one episode i forget it was like uh, several episodes in the past but it was um i forgot to do the update and multiple people text me it was like dang no update for the podcast you don't, you don't care about us question mark i was like dang that's how y'all feel <laughs> so anyways um yeah episode 131 and we're covering a lot of gaming of course a lot of hip-hop of course but then the music industry in general because i gotta get into taylor swift she's going crazy gotta get into tiktok and billboard partnering that's a huge deal um playstation so we're gonna transition obviously into some gaming news with ex playstation boss sean layden talking about how non-gaming companies are disrupting the industry what else and then we get into some beef at the end of the pod as who doesn't love a little drama you know megan the stallion versus 1501 gloria versus kai sinat city girls oh my fault glorilla i've been listening to too much academics i just accidentally said gloria you know uh podcasts would do it to you won't they Glor uh, glorilla <laughs> you know that's that's an interesting name because well somebody just you know forgot to put the l in there and they may not be you know what i mean i'm just all i'm saying so glorilla versus kaisenat city girls and their atrocious first week sales but also i think i'm a cape for them a little bit y'all may have to you know call me superman because i'm about to pull out my cape for the city girls because i feel like they're bigger than music at this point so not to spoil my take because i have a lot more to say but yeah so that's why this episode well this basically this episode is titled greatest game of all time exclamation point question mark why because i believe that spider-man 2 has reached to reached a point where we can ask this question and give a nice dialogue on whether it's true or not and also i'll be giving my personal review spoiler review when i get to spider-man 2 i'll i'll say it again of course my honest reactions thoughts reviews of specific things in the game what i like what i dislike things i think could have been better I'm trying to think what else so yeah that's basically it for episode 131 but as always before that make sure to click my link tree in my bio to access my social medias and follow to keep up with my latest activities if you want to support the show financially click my cash app link located towards the bottom of my link tree as it helps the show overall also make sure to share this podcast you know best mass effect podcast in the world i'm gonna keep saying it but you know it's whatever make sure to share this podcast rating the show five stars as this helps the show reach more people so we can grow together and affect the masses and with that being said let's get into episode 131 all right I have a confession to make one of the struggling rappers that i keep around simply so his morale is boosted wanted me to play a certain song right because technically if you don't remember 
and you can look this up on all DSPs back on my old podcast for my 200,000 listener milestone. I released his song featuring another artist called Beck and it was titled Kobe. So if you want to look that up, Notorious Mass Effect, Beck, Kobe, it should pull up, right? So because of this milestone approaching and with it being in seven day, meaning that everything Mass Effect is accepted, he wanted to send me this track simply for the fact that it was basically and captivating what this whole podcast is about you know he really rapped from the perspective as if he was me and with that being said this is the part of the segment where a certain majority may not understand why i'm critiquing this struggling rapper like this but that certain minority that's been there since day one, but they say A1 since day one, they will know exactly why this is going down the way it is. So basically this track is titled Notorious Mass Effect. Yes, he tied the lid after me. I know he needs to get a life, but hey, <laughs> he doesn't have one yet. So I guess we'll cover his track. So um, his morale is boosted, right? So let's get into it. Obviously, just because a struggling rapper wants me to listen to his music doesn't mean that I'm not going to give my audience my honest critiques. So with that being said, let's get into the music. Be sure y'all can hear that. Let me see. Yeah, I think y'all can hear that. Okay, he has a producer tag. You like to see it. All right, two producer tags. That's already a point off. Already, we got one point off. I need my respect when I walk in. I need my respect when I walk out. Alright, hold up. I ain't gonna lie to you. Track ain't even started, and he already asking for respect. So that's another point off. So we already at 8 out of 10, 25 seconds in, and it's only looking like it's gonna go downhill from here. So anyways, let's let's keep going with the track, because this, this is ridiculous, honestly. Uh, let me see. Here we go. You're having a little technical difficulties. Trying to pull up the track. Alright, here we go. I need my respect when I walk in. I need my respect when I walk out. Nah, for real. I need my respect when I walk in. I need my respect when I walk out. Everybody okay. With the cash in, but they don't want to help with the cash out. Don't you know nah, that'd be true. That'd be true sometimes. We are not the same. I don't care about whatever you're saying. I hope you were laying respect. This is not a game. Because I need my respect when I walk in. And I need my. Okay, first off, I ain't going to lie. Of course, a little smooth. I give it a nice, solid 3 out of 10, right? So, I believe this chorus mediocre but you know <laughs> hey you made it to this platform so you must be doing something right so anyways let's keep going my respect when i walk out everybody say you chain with the cash in but supposed to the same with the cash out many people just really be talking and best they be calling the brand that came from my brain man who knew that displaying my passion affecting the masses hip-hop was my claim to fame all right i respect that that's probably the the best bar you said throughout this whole track you know i really respect that one all i gotta say is you know hey be your own person, man. Be your own person. You know what I mean? Not enough of rapping in the perspective of other people. 
you might as well be yourself but i really do like that bar so let me let me stop critiquing i'm gonna let him get stuff off right uh, y'all probably like why you hating on a young struggling rapper my fault my fault let him let him get his you know whatever off all right let's 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 play this back all right here we go all right i'm just listening now i'm just listening all the people who's hating can share the blame let me know when you begin to start running things okay let me show like i'm not like you getting money from talking ain't nothing new demanding respect ain't nothing new seeing spotify checks ain't nothing new notorious mass effect running games every song i review got them saying things man they don't all right I may I may have to bump it up 0.5. So 3.5 out of 10. That's save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here, making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in store and on Menards.com. We're at right now, and simply because some of the Mass Effect bars that you put in in this track has to be respected because it is in seven day, so it's official Mass Effect day. So everything Mass Effect is accepted. So solely off of that, I have to give it a three point five out of ten. So hey, I'm being a little gracious. You feel me? I'm being a little gracious. So let's hey, let's keep continuing with the track. Ain't nothing new. Notorious Mass Effect running games. Every song I review got them saying things. Man, they don't even know that I run this page. And I don't even care because ain't nothing changed. I'm steady out working. The haters are created. Player, they say that the rise was quick. But they steady ignoring the facts. Man, this isn't the act. Man, I stay with the benefits. All that small talk is really for nothing. If I don't receive comments, I'm nothing. I'm my partner. Was that an academics bar? Respect it. I respect it. This looking for something. Too bad all that I carry a hundreds. Cause I don't have no time if they want some change. Unless we talking shop about penis, man. Cause they really just trying to waste my time. Ain't never distracted without a dime. Not for real, why they wanting a peace of mind? When all that I want is a peace of mind. Okay. Hold up now. I don't know if I can say any. I don't know if I can say it any better than Drewski. So let me just let him take the floor with this. Meet the new Google Pixel. All right, not not Google. That's not what I was trying to do. But anyways, now let me let Drewski take the floor with this. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Cuz I don't know if y'all heard but let's let's play this back right quick because because that was very and that may be in, been a quadruple entendre don't even ask me how you feel me so let's play that back right quick i may never distract without a dime not for real why they want in a peace of mind when all that i want is a peace of mind what do you mean by that what do you mean by that i gotta find out because that's that could mean a lot of things, honestly. I ain't gonna break it down, but hey. Hey, keep going, young Flellin. I like that. I like that. Okay, well, let's get back to me speaking facts. All the corporate talk is just for a nap. When I hop on my chat, I restore the feeling. But if they want me for real, gotta start appealing to that guala I'm getting from competition. Cause I'm podcasting checks to be hitting different. If you hear this, just listen and get the vision. I just hope that you know that my price is risen. So I need my respect when I walk in. And I need my respect when I walk out. Everybody wanna chain with the cash in. But then wanna help with the cash out. Don't you know I get money from talking to money? Be stalking simply when I not the All right, I'm vibing with it. I'm vibing with it. I like it. I like it. 
not a game Cause I need my respect when I walk in And I need my respect when I walk out Everybody say the with the cash in What's up, supposed to say the same with the cash out Man, these people just really be talking their brands that they calling their brain, they came from my brain Man, who knew that displaying my passion affecting the masses Hip-hop was my claim to fame, RJ3 all right, nice little tag at the end. You know what I mean? Them struggling rappers got to get them tags in. <laughs> hey, if you're struggling, you better get them tags in because you never know when your stuff going to get played. So that was it from uh, that up in, you know, whatever rapper. You know, he, he's doing all right in, in life, I guess. I feel like me just playing that for him, you know, probably will uplift his uh, spirits. And, you know, I'm in, I'm in the business of spirit uplifting you know unless it's in the king vaughn lane and you know i'm not trying to lift anyone's spirits you know what i'm saying you know i want everybody to have living experiences you know what i'm saying so with that being said um you know after those mass effect bars the academics bar the quadruple entendre with the peace of mind i really really i like that one that one stood out to me i ain't gonna lie so i hey all right i understand i'll I give it up i'll give it up I give you a four out of ten. Four out of ten. That's hey. <laughs> Where's my applause button when you need it? You know what I'm saying? So, anyways, so that's it for that. Um, that was basically the two million total listener milestone segment, giving you a glimpse into the personal life while also giving you a glimpse into the way that you probably won't even understand. And by that obviously none of that just made sense so hey <laughs> that's what we at you know what i'm saying we just not making sense anymore you know podcast just talking all type of gibberish so uh if you if you know you know if you don't hopefully you was entertained so anyway <laughs> click my link tree in my bio let me know on one of my social medias what did you think about that struggling rappers track notorious mass effect was it fire or trash it's only right that i keep repeating this People keep saying that Drake should have treated us better. I don't know. I don't think so. Because honestly, after some time has passed, for all the dogs, it's still a classic. Like, I don't really know what to tell you. Like, honestly, when we really get into it, I think people are upset that Drake has not fell off. <laughs> it's kind of like LeBron, right? LeBron playing like he is now. Technically, he didn't fall off. In year, what, 21 or 22, LeBron is still at the same level that he used to be. Now, basketball is objective. You can look at stats compared to other people and surmise that this man is way better than the rest of them people right drake is more objective when it comes to sales so that's what i'm gonna stick to because subjective is when you bring your personal opinions to something that has no credence as far as facts right subjectively you can say that hit em up by tupac is a horrendous track right now, would you be right? Of course not. Like, come on now. Like, you may actually get kicked out of the earth if you say that. But that's besides the point. Drake, on the other hand, it's become cool to say things in a derogatory fashion towards Drake to run up the numbers. Because, of course, drama sells. So I'm not mad at it. And get it how you live. But 
I am here <laughs> to actually acknowledge some of the things that he's been accomplishing with this album because everybody's just acting like he's just singing about underage women when really he's just talking about a lot of things with his personal experiences and the past, present, and the future. Do of that what you will. So Drake's latest album for all the dogs, of course, was the number one album. I mean, is that even was that even a question, right? And even after time, album's gotten even better. Like, I'm not gonna lie to you. Tried our best by the at this point, I'm not overreacting. That track is literally one of Drake's best tracks of all time. Like, sonically, the way it's put together, the verses, the beat, everything about that track. It's just classic. It's classic Drake, one of Drake's greatest tracks of all time. First person shooter. One of the biggest collaborations probably in our lifetime when it comes to our current top, quote unquote, three rappers. I would say this is up there with Poetic Justice with Drake and Kendrick, simply for the fact that the impact that it had also with the lyricism and then the replayability. I felt like Drake's part was lackluster, of course, but only because of the lyricism side. As far as the replayability, it's fire. Like, you hear, I'm about to, uh, uh, it, when, yeah, when he kept repeating that, he's like, I'm about to, I'm about to, like, in the club. I'm just saying, hey, Drake knows what he's doing. Jermaine, on the other hand, you know, he may or may not have had a better verse. You know, I'm not giving it, I can't give him too much prop, but, you know, that's besides the point. Also, Drake has had the most entries in the Billboard Hot 100 in history. Once again, I did start the segment by saying I'm going to stick to a lot of objective facts. So that's what I stick to when it comes to Drake. Obviously, subjectively, I still think Drake is one of the greatest ever and still putting out some of the best music in his discography. But objectively, he's putting up some of the biggest numbers in his discography. <laughs> So Drake has now had the most number ones on an album, on one album since Scorpion. And if you don't believe me, Chart Data is here to um, co-sign me as, if you don't know, Chart Data is like one of the more reputable sources out there. I definitely uh, recommend you follow them. And I have it up now if you want to look at my Analytic Dreams video podcast to see the video version. So Drake, for all the dogs, ties, I'm, oh, <laughs> I almost read out her Twitter name basically ties cardi b's invasion of privacy yes the album from like i think that actually came out also in 2018 but anyways and drake's scorpion as the albums with the most number one hits in u.s apple music history with five each imagine having five number one tracks for one singular album sounds like a classic to me right i don't know maybe i'm tripping so anyways and he tied michael jackson for the most number ones with 13 i think he surpassed michael jackson i'm pretty sure i don't know if he surpassed him or whatever i don't know he has the most number ones in 2020 that's all you need to know in the 2020s he has the most number one surpassing bts from the um k-pop group of course for all the dogs had the largest streaming week of 2023 so everybody talks about taylor swift just being by far in a way the biggest artist on the planet which technically i mean if you want to have that conversation she kind of is but when it comes to streaming now that's where we could tip our hat you know it's like in the nba like you may have the best team 
But when it comes to fourth quarter, three-point percentage, yes, we're getting that specific. We're better. <laughs> so when it comes particularly to streaming, Drake is still the biggest artist on planet Earth when it comes to streaming. All right. Drake's latest album numbers, of course, has declined compared to his previous releases. I blame that on COVID. Not a lot of people have expandable, uh, <laughs> expandable, <laughs> expandable income. That's funny. Yeah, Benjamin is just exploding out of your pocket. Now I'm just playing. Exposable income simply because the pandemic made a lot of people, you know, more tight fisted with their money. Is that a pause? I don't know. Um, the album. Debuted at number one, of course, already said that, with 402,000, which in previously he used to put up seven to 800,000. I mean, I think with uh, views, he got close to a million with like eight, 900,000. But with Scorpion, he sold like six, 700,000. And then, of course, it just went down from there. I blame the pandemic, of course. A lot of Taylor Swift fans will come out and be like, well, our girl, that's really the only artist I can compare him to either taylor swift or a bad bunny but i think taylor swift is more comparable when it comes to the u.s market so taylor swift just did 1.5 million first week basically re-releasing old music so obviously she's still the biggest artist in the world i'm just particularly talking about streaming and stuff and things of that nature with drake charting all songs from his album of course first person shooter uh id G-A-F, which, you know, you know what that stands for. This PG podcast, though. With uh, Yeet, that also went number one. Um, he had other number ones, but I forget what they was called. I think it was Daylight. Um, I wish I had it up. I think I had it up. One second. Oh, here we go. Okay. So, basically, all the songs that charted, right? We had First Person Shooter at number one, and then we had uh, Ye, I-D-A, <laughs> I can't spell, I-D-G-A-F, coming in at number two, but that was also number one at one point. Uh, you have Virginia Beach coming in at number three, Calling for You at number five. This is talking about opening numbers, right? And Drake Scissors Slime You Out at number six. So Daylight at number eight, Fear of Heights at number 10. All of those tracks made the top 10, and, and the rest of them was just spread out throughout the top 60 oh no no top 42 because 59 just shows meltdown but that's from utopia so obviously drake's i mean taylor swift is back at the top now as far as the charts but when he when he put out his album he was really impacting the charts in a way that i don't think any of his albums really did besides the scorpion besides the views of course so with this i think drake has found the formula to putting out replayable music with lyricism attached to it because like i keep saying everybody keeps ignoring the fact that away from home is on this album it's like that track doesn't even exist everybody's like i want drake to rap i want drake to say this i want drake to say that and on way away from home he's basically rapping about his life and people just acting like that track just don't exist people are like man he keeps singing about oh she 21 and uh she too young to know my classics i was like what <laughs> why are people focusing on that like obviously if he's talking about the past that's okay but you know if he's talking about present day that may be kind of weird you know so shout out to joe budden for for highlighting that for me because i ain't even honestly 
I'll listen to the album. I'll listen to the track. I ain't think nothing of it. But that track is a little wild if he's talking about present day. I'm just going to give him the benefit of doubt and say he was talking about in the past, right? Um, Drake also expands or extends many of his hot 100 charting records, including the most top five hits with 41, the most top 10 hits with with 76 if this ain't the go i don't know what it is i mean come on now top 20 entries with 132 top 40 hits with 199 and overall charted tracks on billboard with 320 this man almost has a charting track for every single day of a calendar year if he's not the goat I don't know who he is. Like the only other acts to come even close is Taylor Swift with 212 and Glee at all people with 207. As far as entries in the hot 100 specifically, Taylor Swift and Glee. Y'all gotta stop down my goat. I, I feel like when I bring up these type of points, it, it's very apparent that I'm a Drake fan. Right. But also it's not like I'm just coming from a blatant. Oh, Drake's the best. Like I objectively look at the numbers subjectively i look at the quality and i feel like he's putting out some of his best work you know that could be debated another day but what can't be debated is if it's working because if it wasn't working then your favorite artist would be able to compete with him sales wise because the way i judge if something is working is if it has longevity on the charts. Now, if you go to the charts, you'll see all type of Drake tracks. You'll see First Person Shooter. You'll see Daylight. You will see the track with Yeet, which I don't really care for, but whatever. And I think I don't have anything to go off of this, but I think Drake purposely tried to sabotage that track with Drake and 21, well, with him and 21 Savage. Because there's no way you telling me A&R's heard that long I'm not even I'm not even gonna say loquacious, just straight up just blabber what is it, blabber mouthing and spewing at the mouth, let's just say that, of an intro or of an interlude in the middle of Drake and 21 Savage's verse. Like I said a point where I literally need an update you know how video games have patch notes to where they patch something and it's no longer in the game because it was messing up the quality of life that's how drake album is with that interlude in a track you know how many times i've been listening to it and people would literally think it's somebody else in the room simply because of that interlude like imagine that <laughs> like imagine that interlude for the people out there who know you know but you're listening to a track and that interlude comes on like it's not really the vibe you know it doesn't really set the vibes if that makes sense so drake's verse and 21 savage's verse should be paired together without that interlude that's the only thing i'm asking for i'm just asking if 40 is listening if if drake is listening if anybody from the ovo sweatshop is listening take or, or at least shorten the, the interlude. I'm not even mad at the interlude. Just shorten it. Because at this point, I have 21 Savage's verse time stamped in my brain. And it should not be like that. 3.15 is when 21 Savage's verse starts. Why do I know that? Because the interlude is that bad. <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on Drake. So 
I mean, as I spend, you know, time on Drake. But <laughs> I think for all the dogs to give my review post first impressions, I guess. I mean, it's not even first impressions, but basically post overreacting or um, some of the moment. I forget what it's called. Oh, prisoner of the moment. So after, well, post prisoner of the moment, I will say Drake's for all the dogs is still one of the best albums he's ever made. I gave my top five list. I guess I will again to reiterate, you know, my stance on Drake's best work or best bodies of work. So number one, of course, take care. Like it's, it's honestly Drake's coming of age when he made take care. It was like one of those albums where you listen back to it and it's like, wow, that is a masterpiece. Nothing was the same, of course, because that was Drake in his bag again. Similar to Take Care, but just not at the level as far as uh as far as far as just back to back quotables, I feel like Take Care is better than Nothing Was the Same, right? Then I would say Scorpion, because that is when Drake realized that the only way to satisfy y'all is to give y'all an album full of raps and an album full of singing, which he did on Scorpion. It was the first half of rapping, second half of singing. And I like how he did that because he literally let people know that if he wanted to bar you up, he could. But if he wanted to sing, he also could. And it wasn't really an album structure, but he did that on purpose because people complained so much that he was like, you know what? Let me just give you a full rap album. Let me just give you a full singing album and see how you like it. So... And there also there's so many introspective bars in Scorpion. I mean, so many just straight up rapping tracks on Scorpion that I don't think people really give credence to. Like, uh, what was it, March 14th? Um, the track before Jay-Z. Uh, I'll have to look at the track listing again. But actually, let me just pull it up right now. Because I don't think people realize Scorpion is literally... Like, the amount of tracks on that album that's just fire so survival like come on now like talk about a top top four top three intro for drake that that's survival is really up there um as far as one of the best intros by drake even better than for all the dogs obviously i like when drake raps but survival top um emotionless come on now uh what else Eight out of ten, just cause I like the I like the aggressiveness towards Kanye. I really like that. Uh, Sandra's Rose. I mean, if we're talking strictly rapping, right? Survival. Sandra's Rose. That's the track before Jay Z talk of. If, if y'all was wondering, that's the one I was talking about. And there's another one. Oh, March Fourteenth. Those are just strictly. I'm gonna bar you up and let you know I'm the best rapper ever. Talk about. I'm not even talking like a lot of other tracks on this. He, he's rapping, rapping like eight out of 10 mob ties, uh, nonstop elevate. Um, but you know, I basically just want to give you the, the straight, like timestamp records where he's just straight going at it. And let me see what else. So then after that, I have for all the dogs and number four. So that's how high I regard this. That's how, high i have this album as far as drake's discography like i really do believe drake put together a really complete body of work because you look at for all the dogs it's so much new 
sound like it's, it's new sounds that he's implementing with his flow to make it new and i like when people elevate instead of staying in the same box that everybody claims that they want but they really don't people really <laughs> one thing you realize when when doing content creation is people don't know what they want until they hear it <laughs> so uh, you just kind of have to figure it out i mean obviously take constructive criticism but at the end of the day i mean people would never ask for a yachty or a tizo touchdown or a yeet to all be on the same album but somehow it turned out fire right everybody's talking about yachty but then the the tracks that they love yachty's has spoken about having a influence on on making right what else so we have four other dogs and then number five i struggle with number five because number five like number five is tough because a lot of people oh somebody did hit me and they was like are you telling me if you're you don't have if you're reading this is too late on your top five and i'm not gonna lie to you i really look at that as a mixtape i don't really look at that as an album because it's just him really rapping and not formulating the project in a way that i think an album should sound like if you're reading this it's too late it's more of his best mixtape than it is an album if that makes sense like as far as mixtapes i put that in the same lane not as quality wise but as far as uh structure wise i put that in the same lane as well no pun intended but dark lanes demo tape um more life what a time to be alive like i put that in those type of boats um well in that boat as far as mixtape land and it's the best of that boat but as far as albums and structure wise and, and having a little bit of something for everyone that's why my top five is the way it is and number five would probably be i think it was views yeah number five would probably be views for me also people was wondering why i didn't have thank me later because i used to have those like the OG ones. Uh, I used to have Thank Me Later in my top five, but I just realized that sonically, Drake is just way better. It's just way more refined, improved. And, you know, sometimes people think it's a bad thing if you don't sound like your older self or how you used to start off. But I ain't gonna lie, Drake was a little rough when he first started. I mean, obviously, he got better over time, which is why his most recent works are in my top five. But Thank Me Later, So Far Gone, they're great projects but compared to a take care compared to a nothing was the same i don't really think it compares like that so all right i spent too much uh, time on drake and that's basically my sentiments on for all the dogs so i have it number four as far as top drake albums of all time and kind of gave me my reasoning if i go through all the albums it would take forever so what album did i not touch on uh talked about more life care package i don't really consider that album honestly never mind it's probably his worst album not just because it's bad but you know he's experimenting so when you're experimenting sometimes it, it, it sticks sometimes it doesn't and i don't really think it's st it's stuck like that i don't think it's a bad album but i do believe that he uh it is it's compared to his discography honestly never mind it's probably at the very bottom because that's just not his lane what else her loss i think that's i have a hot take with her loss i think her loss is better than what the time to be alive i think that's like that's also 
So if you're talking about mixtapes, her loss and and what and if you're reading this is too late, is in the same tier. I'm not gonna lie to you, it's in the same tier. Uh, certified lover boy, I like that album when it came out, but after for all the dogs came out, like I realized that certified lover boy was, I mean it was good, but it was just like it was more of the same. Like I I it was like the songs I've heard off of certified lover boy I've heard in. Uh, improved versions on on older drake projects like it seems like he was just doing off-brand tracks of of uh take care or nothing was the same so certified lover boy is still a good album like the way i'm talking is like if you're talking about lebron like lebron's bad game is still better than 80 percent of players out there so certified lover boy was still a solid project i just don't have it in top five it's probably like middle of the road towards the bottom maybe so yeah i'm not giving my whole ranking of drake albums i just kind of give you an overview because i talk about drake all the time so i might as well give y'all some type of uh overview of how i look at his discography as far as the greatest discography of all time now i'm off on a sign tangent all right so i'm gonna wrap this up but i think the greatest hip-hop discography of all time definitely belongs to kanye west but i still believe that drake's versatility makes him my favorite artist if that makes sense like as far as artists and, and rapper combined with singing i will take drake but as far as musical production the 808s the hi-hats the snares while also being a rapper and artist and, and singing over tracks i would take kanye i feel like kanye is the more complete package when it comes to producing an album compared to drake hopefully it makes sense so it's kind of like comparing like dr dre to jay-z like they do different things but they do them at such a high level that's not really discrediting one or the other they're just in very different lanes and hopefully people recognize that rap is not all about just rhyming words together <laughs> hopefully people know that by at this point so anyways um what else yeah drake's still the goat uh, surpassed Michael Jackson, you know, all that good stuff. And yet another number one album for Aubrey Graham as this man has the most entries. I want to leave you off with this point because this is really why, objectively speaking, I feel like he is the GOAT. He has the most entries in the Billboard Hot 100 in history. Like of all time, of all the people putting out music and there's a lot of music coming out every day, this man has put up the most numbers on Billboard Hot 100 throughout the history of time. Prince, Michael Jackson, um, the Beatles, Taylor Swift, Morgan Wallen, uh, whatever popular country artists back in the day, none of them had more entries in the Billboard Hot 100 than Drake with 320. So with that being said, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about Drake being the GOAT? <laughs> and if you don't think he's the goat which musician in today's age in hip-hop also or just in general do you think has more of a goat case than drake it was only a matter of time between tiktok and billboard to eventually make a strategic partnership because of their influence on the music industry because if you don't know when tiktok was first blowing up and music was getting played expeditiously 
shout out to ti of course i can't spell it but i just said it you know what i'm saying um music labels was upset because they felt like they were not getting compensated enough for the music that was being played on tiktok so how do you come to a middle ground where both sides are happy with what they are getting as far as the slice of the pie you come to a partnership if you can't beat them join them and tiktok seems like it's here to stay so billboard decided to have a partnership created in the likes of a tiktok billboard so what does that mean that means that a lot of these tracks that you hear in whatever short you see swiping up on tiktok will now be counted towards the billboard top 50 chart and so technically right now i have up the september charts for the tiktok billboard i don't actually know how to pull up the tiktok billboard charts not like i've looked for it because i feel like the influence as far as music is really shorts related so it's not really a whole indication of how people are vibing with your track is more of a is it nice for a sound clip for a funny video and that's kind of how i feel like music blows up on tiktok as as you see right here shout out to analytic dreams video on my spotify channel for the video element along with the audio but basically as you see ski is <laughs> ski it's hard to say that is at the top of the billboard chart for september 14th right that is by sexy red now do i believe that sexy red is just making the best music out here and is just chart topping with her singles no but on tiktok of course she is everybody loves the ski tagline and they be using it in every single video that involves dancing so if ski is going to be the feature as far as the first position followed by doja cat followed by taylor swift of course then you get an indication of what the masses are listening to when they want to dance which is a big influence factor when it comes to the party scene so now users can access the chart within the tiktok app oh, okay so you just go to the tiktok app or on the billboards website to see the current top 50 chart so the collaboration between TikTok and Billboard definitely highlights TikTok's influence on the music industry, as I just said, and its role with music discovery and promotion. So not only do we have Kaisenat to come out and tell us what's hot and what's trash, but we now have TikTok. Why do I say Kaisenat? Because he's one of the most influential content creators out there who promotes musicians. I mean, there's a reason why Offset did a whole stream, like an overnight stream with Kaisenet, and then come to find out his album sales went up, in fact, and he sold around 80,000 first week, which I know a lot of people remember my take on Offset. Well, if you don't, I'll remind you. Basically, I was completely wrong. I thought Offset was kind of flopping a lot with the single, so I didn't think the album would perform as well. But boy, was that marketing strategy marketing because that man was everywhere you could be when it comes to publicizing your album that is how you market an album whenever you're putting out a project that you actually feel like people should listen to that's the type of marketing rollout you should have as you could tell offset really wanted people to listen to his music and guess what when he put it out people listen to it so another tidbit that popped up into my mind is drake's use of sexy red on for all the dogs rich baby daddy if you don't know that track is doing particularly well on the charts and i think drake probably saw sexy red's music dominating the charts of 
TikTok having multiple tracks. If you don't know, it's multiple. So it's not just this one. I know I have this track up or this chart up, but this is an older chart. But this is a more up-to-date statistic as Taylor Swift with seven songs and Sexy Red with four are the artists with the most entries on the TikTok Billboard Top 50 chart since it launched. So it kind of shows you why Sexy Red is so popular and where her popularity comes from. And it's more of a valuable tool not only for the industry, but for fans to recognize how music discovery on TikTok is shaping up in a popular culture and how engaging it is to music fans. I don't really use TikTok like that unless I'm posting videos, you know, shameless plug to analytic dreams on, on TikTok, you know, click my link in my bio, all that good stuff. But basically, I post a lot of different interviews and basically my takes on music and that's what I use it for. I don't really scroll too much on TikTok. I don't follow anybody because I don't use it. <laughs> so I'm not too familiar with the whole process of going on TikTok just to watch videos and seeing music pop up. But if you want that, then to access the chart on TikTok, users can tap the round icon at the bottom of the screen and click on the music charts button in the top right corner. And this chart is updated weekly on Thursdays and is available on both TikTok and Billboard's website. So all you need to know is that this is one of the biggest collaborate. Well, this is one of the biggest strategic marketing partnerships that we will see in 2023 because TikTok is humongous as far as its influence on the musical field and billboard without saying like that goes without saying a lot of people love to be on billboard charts i mean if everybody could be on there they would <laughs> you know what i mean they, so many tracks drop a day but only what the top 100 the top 200 make it to billboard charts and for our iaa certification i believe this will also help out as they can get an inclination on what people are listening to on TikTok and kind of count those streams towards Billboard as with this partnership, it makes it even easier for both sides to streamline the statistics in a way that users can access. So it's sort of like when you go to your DSP, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Apple, Amazon, and go to the charts and see who is where as far as the top 100 position It's a very interesting day in society when TikTok is navigating the landscape of music, but I kind of correlate it with the ringtone era. If you don't remember, the ringtone era was back in the 2000s when, you know, Soulja Boy was going crazy with his dance and stuff. And everybody also was singing Kiss Me Through the Phone like it was going out of style, right? Humongous ringtone as far as sales and downloads but now i feel like tiktok is the updated version of that as it's more of a short clip but also used in the factor of entertainment so ringtones and tiktok as far as musical influence i think is having the same effect and let me know if i'm off with that comparison but that's the biggest way i can quantify it because I think if you're a musician, I would rather be on Billboard charts than TikTok, but obviously TikTok is as influential than ever nowadays. So it would definitely not hurt to have your char song charting on TikTok. Well, now Billboard charts. So that being said, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about the TikTok and Billboard collaboration as far as them creating the TikTok Billboard top 50 charts? And in the long 
longevity of things in the music industry, do you think that this top 50 chart from TikTok will help artists create more buzz around their musical releases? This is really just Taylor Swift's world and we're just living in it. Because honestly, 2023, when it comes to music, has just been completely dominated by Taylor Swift in a way that reminds me to relate it to sports because, you know, that's my go-to. LeBron in 2012-2013. It's just back-to-back-to-back trophies, whether it's regular season trophy, whether it's, well, regular season MVP, whether it's postseason MVP, whether it's the NBA Finals championship. It's everything and more for Taylor Swift and her fan base, rabbit fan base, that calls themselves the Swifties, of course. Now, why am I saying that as a coverer of hip-hop? <laughs> it's because hip-hop has had one of the worst years ever. So, in turn, I have to look at the field to kind of understand why hip-hop is performing so poorly when it comes to the overall landscape of 2023. And look no further than this lady right here let me tell you something taylor swift has a case literally a case to call herself the queen of pop hear me out hear me out the numbers that taylor swift has put up is astronomical <laughs> like out of this world type beat right and it's to the point where she literally leads all of their other artists and nominations for the 2023 Billboard Music Awards. So let me tell you this. She has the potential to break records, right? Billboard Music Awards is not subjective. It's basically statistically speaking. So whether you sell the most means you're going to win. Well, let me put it in more lamest terms. Winners are determined by performance metrics on the year-end billboard charts. So it's no, oh, who you think is going to win? Oh, I can't. Oh, hopefully he upsets this person. Or hopes, hopefully she upsets so-and-so. All of that is out the window. Taylor Swift is running the charts. Like, she's literally going to break records. Because I remember there was one year where Drake ran it up. I don't know if it was with Views or Scorpion. But then he went to the Billboard Music Awards show and he took a picture of what I think was like 10 to 12 trophies because it's statistically speaking, it's not subjective. It's not like, oh, he got five trophies. So let's give the next one to this other artist because he has zero. It's none of that. It's if you win on the charts, you win out in the Billboard Awards show. So Taylor Swift, similar to the MTV Awards, she's going to show up. She's going to collect all of her trophies. And she's probably going to take a picture just being surrounded by them. Remember, I said that. So the Billboard Music Awards, of course, is this year, right? And it has a lot of new categories, including K-pop and Afrobeats, that have been added to the Billboard Music Awards. But the reason why I want to speak on this is because of this topic right here that I have on the screen. If you don't see it, Analytic Dreams video on Spotify to see the video element along with the audio. But with that out the way, Taylor Swift is continuing the Eras tour. So she is 
Uh, I'm trying to find it. Fans are encouraged to dress up and make friendship bracelets. I don't know where that came from, but it's just a side tangent. I'm sorry. Now you know. Basically, she has extended her heiress tour with new dates in Canada, Latin America, Asia, Australia. Don't Australia, isn't that the place with the humongous bugs, like the Jurassic Park for bugs? Isn't that what Australia is? Maybe I'm tripping. But last time I heard, you go to Australia, you may get eaten by a man spider. That ain't gonna lie to you. And Europe. So that is where her tour is extending to. Once again, it's Canada, Latin America, Asia, Australia, and Europe. And then she also has a movie coming out. I swear this is not no press release. I'm just reading it off as the uh, as I have it. <laughs> Taylor Swift also has a movie coming out. No, it's already out on October 12th. So yeah, it's been out. The Eras tour and it's been shown um, 39 AMC theater locations. And the film runtime is about two hours and 48 minutes. The concert is expected to run four weeks in theaters. So by the time this comes out, it should still be in theaters. Let me see. Uh, One, two, three. Yeah, I ain't gonna lie. This week or next week may be the last of it. So I would see it soon. Two hours and 48 minutes of runtime. It's expected to run for four weeks. That's why I said that. And the album errors in order. The movie was filmed during Swift's first three shows at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. And that's that's where the friendship bracelets come in. And then moviegoers are allowed to dance and sing along during the film. So it was like some high school musical type beat. Hopefully nobody woke up on the wrong side of the bed because, man, that would be annoying. So anyways, she has multiple. Oh, that's the nominations part. The Billboard Music Awards will not be on TV. Winners will be announced on social media and live stream. I wish I had a boo sound effect. Do I have a boo sound effect? Let me see. Because that is what type of it's like if the Grammys, well, yeah, it's like if the Grammys had it only on live stream and, and announced the winners via social media. Like, what type of what type of brokey behavior is that? Talk about uh, budget cuts. That is insane. Honestly, that is pretty crazy. I'm trying to pull up my boot sound effect. It's not working right now. Give me a second. I think I had a boo. I don't think I had one. Well, anyways, I'm here to boo them myself. So for the Billboard Music Awards, all I got to tell y'all, as far as the TV and winners and stuff like that being announced on social media and live stream. And for the award show not to be on TV at all. Boo. Boo. That sucks. Boo. <laughs> all right. All right. That's it. That's all I got. That's all I got. I ain't gonna lie to you. That was, that was my best impression of, of how the crowd be booing people. But, um, yeah, Billboard Music Awards, that actually is uh, pretty disappointing because I was looking forward to that picture with uh, Taylor Swift just surrounded by trophies. But I'm pretty sure they did that simply because Taylor Swift dominated the entire year. Well, not the entire year, but because Morgan Wallen had like the first three months, two to three months, and then Taylor Swift dropped and it was, it was all pandemonium from there. So uh, what else? There's something else I was wanting to get into. The Eras Tour, the movie, 
and then I want to get into some stats. So yeah, let's look up Taylor Swift's stats because this is ridiculous, right? The reason why I'm calling her the queen of pop is not just to be disrespectful because I swear Michael Jackson fans always um, act like I'm trying to discredit MJ when in all actuality, you know, there's other people that, you know, he may have to pass the baton to. And I think Taylor Swift is uh, on the rise to, to receive that baton. Pause if, if needed. I don't know. Uh, let me see. Let's see. Okay, so Taylor Swift's first week sales over time. So 1.6, 1.5. I want y'all to look at this right quick, right? I want y'all to look at this. Y'all let me know any other artist that's ever crossed a million first week sales once, right? Besides a Michael Jackson. Like you literally have that's <clears throat> that's why I call her the queen of pop, simply because of this stuff right here. So basically, her first week sales of all of her albums, most of them has debuted like the first week that it was out debuted with above a, a million string uh purchases or sales album album sales not just streams album sales because if you don't know the amount of streams for one album is like a thousand or two thousand it's a lot right so this is album sales there's not streams a million plus on most of her albums first week. That is insane, honestly. So that's why I call her the queen of pop because nobody else is doing that. Drake's not doing that. Bad Bunny's not doing that. Um, I think Adele did that once, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Um, who else is close? That's basically it. Beyonce, definitely not. Um, so I'm not trying to discredit other artists. I'm just letting you know the reason why I'm calling Taylor Swift the queen of pop is not to discredit Michael Jackson. It's actually to honor him because that's how ahead of the pack Michael Jackson was numbers wise when it comes to his peers. So Taylor Swift, when it comes to her peers, it's just, it's just a wide gap. Like That's why I said LeBron 2013, well, LeBron 2012, 2013, because Taylor Swift and the next best musician, which, you know, I'm biased, but I would say Drake, is, is a humongous gap. Like, you don't see my hands right now, but I'm doing a, a very large, you know, to showcase the motion. So obviously you can't see through the screen. But <laughs> so anyways, um, there's something else I was wanting to look up. So I took, yeah, let me take that off the screen. So a bunch of, so Taylor Swift has sold 4.5 million pure copies this year alone, by far the top selling act by total album sales six more times than number two six more times than number two so i'm just throwing these stats at you to let you know why i'm covering taylor so frequently because basically it's only it's very i won't say ignorant but some uh dismissive to act like taylor swift is not existing while i cover music may even though I cover hip-hop mainly, specifically, Taylor Swift and what she's doing for the music industry as far as just carrying it on her back, because let's be honest, hip-hop hasn't been performing all too well when it comes to the charts. We've been getting outperformed by country artists, pop artists, um, K-pop musicians, no, dis no disrespect to them, just pointed out how hip-hop is like 
to com- go back to sports, hip hop is like Team USA in basketball. Like the world is catching up. And I know you're like, well, Taylor Swift and Morgan Wallen is American. Just stick with my comparison, right? Uh, hip hop <laughs> is Team USA, right? For the past three to four years, we've been by far number one, like not even close. Like if you talk about the top genres that people are listening to, it's hip hop by far. To the point where we've had collabs with a Morgan Wallen and Little Dirt, uh, Taylor Swift and Kendrick Lamar, uh, Taylor Swift and Ice Spice. Do you not know that Taylor Swift and Ice Spice has a song together? Y'all think that's just because Taylor Swift likes Ice Spice? I mean, I, honestly, reports came out that it's because of her ex-boyfriend being racist towards her or something like that. I'm not, you know, I'm not putting no dispersions on anybody. I'm just letting you know. Well, aspersions? I think it's aspersions. Anyway. I'm not putting down anybody. I'm just letting you know what the reports are saying. So she has a song with Ice Spice, right? Um, and nowadays we have people like J. Cole, Jermaine, doing features for Hope from BTS. Obviously, no disrespect. I'm just letting you know that hip hop has become the collaborator, the the collaborator, collaborator. Can I talk? I don't know collaborator instead of the collaborative that makes sense anyways um instead of being the one that people are coming to for collaboration they're going to them for collaborating simply because they're the ones dominating now and not hip- and i'm not gonna say dominating they're the ones coming on top now more than they used to in the past three to four years i think that puts it yeah so um once again, Taylor Swift is a huge proponent to why pop is going or pop is going to be number one as far as the most genre listened to. But let's just keep in all actuality. Hip hop is still on top. It's just their big dog, which is Taylor Swift's the biggest, is dropping multiple albums in one year on some NBA Youngboy type beat and putting out one point. It's like if NBA Youngboy dropped and consistently sold what he used to sell with uh, AI Youngboy, right? That's what Taylor Swift is doing. Dropping multiple times um, a year. Well, really, this is the only year she's done that. But basically selling over a million first week every single time. So with that, I want to get into other things. Okay, so Taylor Swift's 1989 Taylor's version, which is the latest album debuted at number one of course with 1.6 million units first week which is the biggest album sale week of the decade all right dictionary time because <laughs> even me you know sometimes i get confused like, like what does a decade really mean honestly like drake said we're gonna look around a decade from now i still ain't i still ain't seen big shot now i'm just playing let me chill all right so um taylor swift had the biggest album sale as far as first week of the decade right a decade by definition is a period of 10 years beginning with the end year of zero or by another reckoning one right that's in parentheses so basically all you need to know is a period of 10 years that's all you need to know with that being said taylor swift got it man she got it i mean obviously if those stats don't ring a bell, then I don't know what will. Because I really do feel like Taylor Swift is one of those type of musicians where her presence will be missed 
if she ever stopped making music. It's like one of those things where if I was to act like, oh, hip hop don't need Drake, Drake can retire tomorrow. Like a lot of these other people are saying, not understanding that Drake's the only reason really hip hop is even competing. Because if it wasn't for Drake, what well, we have Travis Scott and, you know, he's on tour. So he's not really going to promote because he just wanted to go back on tour to make money and, you know, let me chill with Travis Scott and touring, but you, you know how I feel about Travis Scott and his, his tours. So with that being said, uh, don't really have too much pioneer presence when it comes to hip hop. I mean, the biggest thing we've received as far as a big voice coming out to talk about the landscape of hip hop is Jermaine with Little Yachty. And if that doesn't tell you all you need to know, then it's not much I can do for you, man. So uh, that's basically why I wanted to get into just give Taylor Swift the most ultimate praise that i could give her because she is putting up numbers that we've never seen well not never but we haven't seen in a long 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 time and last theory before i wrap this up i promise taylor swift being with travis kelsey i do not think that's a pr stunt i do believe that she is in a business strategic relationship I know some of y'all may say that's a PR stunt, but I honestly do believe that she will be with him for quite some time simply for the fact, I think by next year or the year after next year, she wants to host the Super Bowl. She wants to get to the point where Travis Kelsey is in the Super Bowl and she's performing. Now, obviously, those two things, one's a little bit, well, it's not easy, but Taylor Swift made it look easy. So her getting to the Super Bowl to perform is a little bit easier than Travis Kelsey getting to the Super Bowl. But with him being on Kansas City Chiefs, you never know. And I would not be surprised if they pull a, oh, Usher's sick or Usher got injured or Usher has family matters and his replacement is Taylor Swift. I would not be surprised if NFL tried to pull that and act like we were stupid. So I'm going to call it out just so they don't do it. Because <laughs> I think if enough people understand the lengths that NFL will go to to make Taylor Swift happy, they will under they would probably look at Usher headlining the Super Bowl a little differently. Like, because they could easily try to pressure Jay-Z and Rock Nation. Because if you don't know, Jay-Z's over the entertainment for NFL. They could easily pressure jay-z to say hey usher is not performing taylor swift is i don't care if you have to come up with an excuse but this is what we're making happen so that's my last that that was a little reach but that's my last theory on what could happen with taylor swift and her impact of 2023 so click my link tree in my bio let me know on one of my social medias what do you think about taylor swift and her run in 2023 and do you think it's the greatest run by a musician of all time at this point 2023 has been officially the rise of ai because the amount of problems that's been created based off of the evolution in ai has been staggering and by staggering i mean absolutely mesmerizing honestly because 118 days let me repeat that 118 days actors spent on strike and basically if you don't know <clears throat> actors have their group called SAG-AFTRA they were striking due to them wanting protections and higher pay 
but no, higher pay and protections against the use of artificial intelligence, which is AI, of course. Um, and the impact of this was that several, and I mean, not even, that's an understatement. Almost all films, movies, well, same thing. All movies, TV shows were delayed. The biggest one that a lot of people was upset over was Dune Part 2 and Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, I believe. I think that was supposed to come out in a short time span after the latest one we just seen across the Spider-Verse. But because of this strike, obviously, you know, no matter if you're acting in real life or in voice acting land, <laughs> you're still an actor. So <laughs> that got delayed. Um, actors wasn't able to promote any of the movies, which is, if you ever look it up, the actors for Barbie, while they was putting up historic numbers, they was literally on the premiere set and they had to leave mid, which I don't know if it was a play. It seemed like it was a play because they left mid premiere on a on a short notice when the strike started so that was so interesting to see because it was like did they do that on purpose because if you don't know barbie i have to look at the numbers i'm no movie or tv show expert but barbie one of the biggest movies of the year i believe if not the biggest so they did that at the premiere margaret robbie um i don't remember all the other characters i ain't gonna lie but <laughs> they all walked off at a at a short notice after they started to strike and it really was impactful right so this is the first time since 1960 that both actors and writers unions went on strike simultaneously if you don't know the writers came to an agreement with the studios i believe like a like three or four weeks ago it's been a while so everybody's looking at the actors like are y'all gonna follow suit and it seemed like they wasn't about to follow suit it seemed like it was about to get spooky i mean even though it's been spooky with the strike in general for the writers once the actors joined it was like okay well nothing's getting done now it's almost like if you're working at walmart and everybody's like hey how about we just band together and not come to work that's basically what happened so there's a whole building right that could be making tons of money but since there's no workers in it the owners just sitting there like dang maybe we should pay these guys what they're worth <laughs> so basically sag after reached a agreement with the studios that includes higher pay and protections against the use of artificial intelligence the reason why i'm saying it and that in like layman's terms because obviously contracts have a lot of stuff in them but basically that's all you need to know they was really wanting higher pay and protections against ai i think that was the biggest one because apparently disney was out here scanning people and then using AI to replicate their faces in other shows so they didn't have to get like a whole crowd every time they did like a scene outside or some crazy like that. So they signed off on that and so they have more protection against AI, which I don't know how I feel about that because I feel like studios will always find some type of way to get around it, but hey, to each his own. So basically there was a big deal, right? Even the president came out <laughs> and you know it has economic... um I don't know the word <laughs> economic um yeah i i totally forgot the word anyways y'all can uh that was definitely a not top 10 moment but um even the president came out to congratulate them coming to the agreement because this is a huge deal um 
let's just say impact. So this has economic impact in the way that dollars will be spent to see these actors in any form of television. Like escapism is a real thing and it, gener it generates revenue for the economy, right? So it'd be a bad thing if we lost a very uh, ginormous amount of revenue simply because the actors are on strike and the studios don't want to pay them what they're worth. So because of them coming to a, a fair agreement, quote unquote, President Joe Biden came out and praised the deal, highlighting successful collective bargaining. And then the Los Angeles mayor, Karen Bass, welcomed the fair agreement and emphasized the impact of the strikes on millions in Los Angeles and nationwide. So basically they came out and basically talked about the um, overall landscape of the of how the strike affected. I don't think that was a sentence. Anyways, uh, <laughs> financial impact and cost savings, higher labor, labor costs, of course, company cost savings, um, future production landscape is getting it to the point where now that everybody went on strike, now that they come back, the pressure on budgets for shows and movies are going to take it from one level to a higher level. So let's say you are shooting a mid-tier show, right? And your actors went on strike. But now, <laughs> now your budget will, let's say your budget was 30 million. Now it's going to go from 30 million to 60 million. Because guess what? Now you got to pay them more. So, hey, it'd be like that. So industry uh, insiders anticipate a shift in the production landscape with fewer projects because of this. So it's going to be harder to get a TV show off of the ground and they are predicting, and these are like experts. So it's not just me just, you know, um, freestyling. This is like experts read a lot of articles is what they're saying. Basically, there's going to be a decrease in the number of TV series in about a 20% reduction compared to pre-strike levels simply because they have to pay more, right? You pay people more, they're going to find some way to get that money back. And what they're going to do is probably lay off more people. So it's a sad reality, but I guess they came to a fair agreement, right? I mean, I guess they're back working. Um, executives indicate that a move towards uh, fiscal responsibility being more selective and picking up shows. Basically what I was just saying previously, how they're gonna spend money on certain people and a lot of people are gonna get left out. So as far as inclusion, diversity, I'd be interested to see how much of that is in TV shows and movies nowadays, because if you have to pay them more, you already know it's gonna be a certain privilege <laughs> for certain people. So now that you have to actually come out of pocket more then they may go with the safe safer what they think is safe bet than including more diversity hopefully that makes sense because obviously i don't want that to happen but whenever i do see stuff like this i know they're working they have like a trick up the sleeve i never think oh it's a fair agreement the studios just folded like this is disney this is amazon this is Warner Bros. Like this is this is big studios we're talking about. This is not just uh, your your mom and pop shop who you're uh, negotiating your contract with, right? This is the biggest of the of the crop. This is the cream of the crop, basically. So, I think the studios will have something up their sleeve. Um, 
I don't want to give like a pessimistic take on it, but I think I just did. So <laughs> uh, let's just get into the overview aspect of it, of the industry, right? Because I'm not no movie or a TV show connoisseur unless it's Marvel. And, you know, that's a whole nother discussion for another day. But basically the industry, the movie entertainment industry, right? The film industry doesn't expect an immediate bounce back simply because of the pace and the amount of time it will take to recover. And so that means that the future is uncertain in the industry as it tries to accommodate people by coming out of pocket more, but also realizing that with the streaming dominance, studios are losing money. I don't know if you know, movies are not music. Music could literally be done by a producer, rapper, and then that's it, right? Movies take a lot more workload to, to create. Like, you know how people like Lil Wayne or people like, I don't know who be doing that a lot. Chris Brown or basically how they will come out in an interview and they will say, man, I did like a hundred songs in the studio last night. Or they'll be like, man, I went in the studio and I swear I created like three, four albums. Like you're never going to hear a director come into an interview and be like, man, I just made about five or six movies last night. I ain't going to hold you. Like the amount of movies I just made in one night, that's crazy. Nah, it's never going to happen. So for movies and TV shows to be on streaming platforms, that's going to lose the studio's money. I don't care how nobody slices. Netflix messed up the game for everybody. I don't know why nobody ever acknowledges that. Like used to, you had to go buy physical copies for music, right? You had to go to the movies to see, well, movies. <laughs> but now you pay what? That's why the streaming prices are also increasing, if you don't know. But now you pay $12.99 or whatever to get a plethora of movies that each one of those movies, saw, well, the big ones, not the smaller ones. Each one of those movies could have been for like 14 a pop at, at the movie theater. So studios are losing money. And that's why this whole, I'm not going to say that's why it happened. But AI, along with the stream and stuff, I think is why this strike uh, happened for the actors. Because the actors was like, if we don't, no pun intended, but if we don't act now, they're going to run this AI to the point where everybody's going to be copied in every single TV show. Like You're going to see your face put on another TV and realize you signed down the paper and gave it gave your, your soul away and your likeness, right? So it protects actors more, which I'm happy about. But in the grand scheme of things, I just think movies and TV shows needs to go back to the form of, um, well, as a consumer, I don't care. Hey, twelve ninety nine for all the movies in the world, y'all keep losing money. I don't care. <laughs> I ain't going to tell y'all how to, you know what I mean? That's, that's almost like when uh, people on Twitter was like, I can't believe this app is free. That's basically what the studios are doing with these streaming platforms. I'm like, ain't no way. Y'all looked at this and was like, you know what? This is the move. <laughs> so they're going to find out the hard way. You, you think all these musicians like that the music is available just for a subscription price on Spotify, Amazon Music, or Apple? No. They would rather you go to the store or even go to, I, I think on Apple, you can actually buy the album outright so you can like own it, so you can like download it and stuff. For Spotify, I don't think so. So basically, what I'm saying is, it's a much larger conversation. 
that's the reason why studios was like we ain't paying y'all more we losing money you know they can't really say that because then the stakeholders are going to be like hold up you losing money but you just told me you know <laughs> you just told me this so i invest more money so yeah it, it's very interesting where we're at and entertainment industry and you know a lot of people don't care because you know like they said they they be calling the actors a fake job i think that's so hilarious i'm like ain't no way that's that's actually pretty funny because when it comes to escapism i don't know what's a better form of entertainment besides a, t a nice tv show or a nice movie so anyways with that being said click my link tree in my bio let me know on one of my social medias what do you think about sag after finally coming after 118 days finally coming to an agreement with the studios and ending their strike and what do you think is the future ramifications of how long their strike lasted i just have one question where are we dropping boys because at this point i'm gonna have to lace them up because i've never been good at fps games not really my cup of tea i've always been a fighting game type gamer or open world action adventure type gamer but fortnite is probably the first time where i hopped on and i was just like you know what even though i'm just getting completely demolished destroyed torn apart pause i feel like i'm having fun so fortnite if you don't know it's back again putting up numbers like <laughs> Jordan in 96, 97. Because it's back to his OG ways. As Fortnite, the launch with the original map. And with that, players have had a resurgence of interest in this game with over 44.7 million players and 102 million hours of play. And this also led to record-breaking internet activity in the uk surpassing previous game launches like call of duty warzone so that being said i just want to get into some of the iterations of what i've heard about the map i've watched them gameplay of course it's not exactly og because you know mechanics are new as far as some of the newer installations of the full run mechanic i feel like that's like fully new when comparing it to og so it's not everything og right you still have the updated mechanics but it's basically the map so the new season is basically the map of was well, a version of the chapter one map and the current season is set to end november 3rd with the new season expected to go live after a few hours of downtime and the new season is not part of chapter five but is rather a bridge to transition from chapter four to chapter five so it's referred to as fortnite og but it's still going from chapter four to chapter five confusing i know but hey that's where we're at so obviously not because the marketing campaign is working so the island of fortnite og will start uh beginning chapter one season five and gradually transform into other iterations of chapter one from season five to season x and then changes will be made to accommodate this zero build mechanic and to introduced in chapter th uh, three including the addition of zip lines and other travel infrastructure and then 
Some modern conveniences for Chapter 3, such as sliding, sprinting, and mantling may not be removed despite earlier reports. So that's what I was talking about, the whole new sprinting mechanic and the sliding and mantling. Like, it's not OG mechanics, it's just OG map. But the loop pool will reflect the state of the island in each chapter with Season 6 guns during Season 6, Season 7 guns during Season 7, and so on. So the ballers, airplanes, hoverboards, and the classic pump shotgun are confirmed to be present on OG Island. I wonder if the classic pump shotgun is still as OP as it used to be, because I remember when people used to pick up that OG shotgun, it used to be one tap and it was down. Like, if you didn't have a shield, good luck trying to fight somebody with shotgun <laughs> so anyways um like i said the launch covered over 44.7 as far as the concurrent player count record and well 44.7 million as far as the concurrent player count and 102 million hours of playtime. basically i say all that to say this fortnite og is a great marketing strategy in the sense of if it's not broke, don't fix it. A lot of people love the OG Fortnite, so they came back to play this game once more. I saw a lot of people on my timeline talking about, oh, got to get the boys uh, back in, <laughs> back on the game or whatever. They was bas basically like, I got to hop back on it with the boys because, you know, with OG Fortnite, we got to get the OG team. But guess what? Not to be the party pooper or to rain on your parade, but... One of the things about evolution is it never really feels the same once you go back to it. You know what I'm saying? It's more like one of those things where it's nice to see, but as far as the feeling, it may be a little different. But if you were nice at Fortnite and you was waiting for a return of old, well, I guess at this point, the return of the new slash old because you still have the new mechanics then you will be pleased to know that fortnite is going back to the og ways og battle pass remix pass skins um so you can feel like you did when you used to play the og fortnite and as somebody who's not really a huge fan of fps games i'm going to sit this one out i'm gonna let y'all handle it let y'all shoot it out with the opposition and let y'all dodge sniper bullets and deal with shooting somebody one time and then they build the whole trump towers but besides that fact i think that this is a nice marketing strategy by fortnite and it's only captivated by their player count increasing tremendously so at the end of the day the person who came up with this idea for fortnite to go back to his og foundation they need a raise because you never know when you have to rely on nostalgia but obviously fortnite feels like the time is now as a lot of people are clamoring for that next fps game that everybody can just join into a lobby and pop into because modern warfare 3 let us down titanfall 3 seems like it's never going to be uh, created let alone finished so now we're left with the ogs like fortnite um what else valorant csgo to save us when it comes to our shooting withdrawals our first person shooter withdrawals so with that being said click my link tree in my bio let me know on one of my social medias 
What do you think about Fortnite going back to its OG foundation and with the player count reaching over 44.7 million players? And will you be one of those players to hop on Fortnite in the future? You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Now, Call of Duty is not going anywhere, of course. But with the way it's going, its trajectory, if a certain game, and Respawn, I'm talking directly to you, if a certain game comes out today, whereas we are starving for a new FPS shooter. I mean, I think I saw a game titled The Finals. I don't know if that's first person, but I know it's a shooter, shooting game, right? People want a new shooting game to gravitate towards and feel like it's in captivating them and for call of duty modern warfare 3 to come out the way it has people are calling it the most laziest attempt in a while as far as a release because i don't know if it was activision i think it is activision but basically this campaign the multiplayer and everything that captivates it is severely lacking. I mean, lacking to the point where it's not connecting easy to read plot points. It's not connecting uh, character motivation, character arcs. A lot of the plot points is just failing. It's just straight up abysmal what they release. It feels like DLC. People complain about Miles Morales being DLC for Spider-Man PS4, right? This is a way more egregious attempt at a cash grab for basically DLC. This is like glorified DLC. I mean, the campaign is said to be three to six hours of thin storytelling and dull missions is what I've been told. And because obviously I ain't played that. I'm not paying no $70 to play no three hour game. Let me tell you that. That's that don't even correlate in my mind. But. Another thing to note is that Call of Duty is just one of the more globally recognized brands when it comes to first-person shooters, and regardless of genre, just gaming in general, Call of Duty is a juggernaut. So for it to put out such little, for it to put forth such little effort in Modern Warfare 3 is pretty, I would say impressive. <laughs> like the lack of motivation is very imp impressive in the way that they just don't care about their fan base recycling multiplayer maps recycling a bunch of different uh, mechanics in their game whereas people are just calling it modern warfare 2 with a new filter put over it like it's getting pretty bad and fan fans and critics are starting to speak out so currently the Xbox 360 version of Call of Duty 4 has a high score of 94.16 with Modern Warfare 2, which released before this, be, uh, set, setting a record by earning 1 billion with a B in just 10 days. So with this effort, it's like they took their earnings, their profits, and just said, forget y'all. Like basically, they ran off on a plug, not once, but twice, because this is ridiculous. Call of Duty Esports obviously 
has a huge esports following which if you don't know is when online gamers go in real life and, and they well not real life but basically they go to tournaments and they play the game for a, a prize pool right like first place gets this amount second place gets this amount you get it right and the highest earning call of duty player is tyler abizy a-b-e-z-y ferris tyler abizy ferris is the highest earning call of duty player making over 1.5 million and ali a oh, i used to watch him i remember his, yeah i remember his content now nah, he, he's pretty fire i ain't gonna lie but um he has over 8.7 million subscribers for his call of duty channel all the way back in uh 2015 so i don't know where the disconnect is because call of duty obviously has a core fan base that's why i said all that to say this they have a core fan base they've blown up many creators i mean some of your favorite creators named themselves after modern warfare think about that so with that being said i think that there has to be a new call of duty release soon because this is unacceptable modern warfare 3 is and it's totality unacceptable. People talk about Mortal Kombat 1 being bare bones. People talk about way back in the day, Miles Morales being bare bones. And at launch, you know how buggy Cyberpunk is. I mean, at least all three of those games, at least they're trying to give you some type of captivating package for Modern Warfare 3. They just recycled multiplayer maps, recycled gameplay mechanics to the point where... You don't have to improve drastically on something that's already been done because like i said it's like a remaster but at least put forth effort so that it matches the original og game like it should have everything the og game had and then maybe a little bit more with the upgrading upgraded hardware at this point it's like they're doing something i can't even make that joke basically they're telling us it's raining when we all know what they're doing to us <laughs> you know what i mean that's the most pg way i can put it it's to the it's almost staggering the amount of effort that's missing from this installment because i remember playing the og modern warfare games right and it wasn't this it definitely didn't receive this type of criticism and that makes me believe even after watching gameplay of the campaign and multiplayer which i'm playing the gameplay right now for the people over at the analytic dreams video podcast channel but you just get a sense that activision just does not care anymore like they're like we're gonna get this bag by any means and not by any means necessary as far as effort by any means necessary as far as screwing y'all over <laughs> so um with gaming popularity rising in the midst of COVID and the way that is at now where gaming is at the best it's ever been, like this is the greatest year in gaming. For Call of Duty to not capitalize off of that hype by putting out even a decent game, it's very interesting because it's almost like they saw the hype as far as everybody saying this is one of the best years in gaming and they was just like, hey, let's rain on a parade you know what i mean like forget it like what's happiness to them you know let's take it away from them because we we don't care <laughs> so three to six hours of campaign which you already know the modern warfare 3 original campaign was way not way longer but it was longer than that let me tell you that um <laughs> in this game 
they basically stripped a lot of things which uh some missions like the no russian mission made sense to take out um because that was back in the modern warfare 2 but if you don't know the merging some modern warfare 2 elements into modern warfare 3 and releasing it as um a, a remaster so when modern warfare 2 came everybody was like okay this is pretty solid so when modern warfare 3 they thought it was going to be a whole rendition like modern warfare 2 was no way bare bones less effort put into it it was one of those things where they let you know that they just do not care about the consumer base and how y'all care about the lack of effort as the critics even let them know that this is unacceptable as ign gave it a four out of ten basically saying that modern warfare 3 story campaign is a dull and messy affair calling it a disappointment after a string of much stronger campaigns in the past call of duty games and then gamespot gave it a 5 out of 10 saying that the open combat missions actively distracted from its story rendering the campaign more frustrated frustrating than compelling and then there was other scores but this one doesn't have it up right now Basically, everybody was just saying that it, it's lackluster, rushed, somewhat forced, uh, short, like Modern Warfare 3, a series low point and one that should be analyzed and deciding the future of Call of Duty. Like it, it's like they're, they're questioning the future of Call of Duty. We're talking about Call of Duty and people are questioning the future of it. So I think that's just where we're at right now with it. And it, it's really unfortunate that we're at this crossroads because I feel like respawn could easily put out that game which everybody all the gamers know what i'm talking about but for the ones who you know may not know this is a game called titanfall right if respawn puts out titanfall 3 it's over and i'm not saying like over for call of duty like obviously they're still gonna do their numbers just like battlefield when call of duty was thriving but titanfall 3 is such a window that I feel like they could capitalize off of when this is the greatest year in gaming, but we still haven't had that definitive shooter that everybody gravitate towards. I mean, everybody could say CSGO or Valorant or I think it's the big ones. That's basically it. Maybe Overwatch. I think people hate Overwatch too, so that's probably not it. Um, basically, a new shooter that everybody can gravitate towards because right now people are just gravitating to the legacy games and that's what call of duty comes in it's like wow you really gonna give us a lackluster effort when everybody has been craving for a first person shooter that we all can just hop on and have fun with the guys or with the girls so with that being said that's my wrap-up of Modern Warfare 3. Obviously, this is just a, a review roundup. It's not my personal review of the game. It's me going over just watching the campaign, multiplayer, reading what people are saying, seeing a lot of different uh, articles and threads, and basically just putting that all together for y'all enjoyment. So hopefully, y'all know that Call of Duty <laughs> kind of put out a dud with Modern Warfare 3. But at the end of the day, the Call of Duty series has sold over 400 million units as of April 2021. So I don't think they're hurting for cash. I think they're just trying to do a cash grab in Modern Warfare 3 and telling y'all it's a full game. And really, at the end of the day, in all actuality, Modern Warfare 3 is just a glorif glorified DLC of Modern Warfare 2. So anyways, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about Modern Warfare 3 as far as the Call of Duty installment 
And do you think or what do you think they could do to revive the game and make people feel like they have put forth the effort in creating the next shooter? And also, do you think if Titanfall 3 drop this year or next year, do you think it would take over the landscape of we need a new shooter like Call of Duty was supposed to? It is time for me to give my official review of No Lifing Spider-Man 2, the video game. Because when I tell you this is the sole reason I have a PlayStation, I mean it. <laughs> Back with 20, uh, 2018, I don't know when it came out. I think it was 2018, 2019. When Spider-Man PS4 came out, I unfortunately had an Xbox during the lead up to Spider-Man PS4. So what did I do? Did the old switcheroo, went to GameStop, you know, got my uh, return for $9.98 for a whole console, got my PS5, and I was good to go. So from there, I never looked back. I was always like, I am a PlayStation Sony pony. And ladies and gentlemen, this game right here, from the 2018 Spider-Man PS4 to the 2020 Miles Morales DLC to the 2023 Spider-Man 2 video game. When it comes to trilogies, this is up there with the greatest. Like the greatest gaming trilogies. Like this is the type of game where you can't even compare it to other superhero games. You have to start comparing it to games like The Last of Us. The game like uncharted games like i gotta throw some xbox games in there so y'all don't think i'm a fanboy for real the uh games like <laughs> i'm not trying to be funny i'm trying to think what do xbox have i mean they just recently had starfield so let's let's stick with that uh, games like starfield um what does xbox have i'm not even trying to be funny hi-fi rush i'm trying to think about legacy games for xbox yeah, I can't think of any. I'm sorry. Y'all may think I'm a Sony pony, but literally Xbox does not have any legacy games. Like what, Halo? Like y'all trash that game after a while. <laughs> y'all was like, uh, it, Infinite's cool, but not anymore. I was like, what? What happened? So anyways, um, yeah, Spider-Man 2 is compared to just games now, not just superhero games. So Insomniac has put Spider-Man on a level where character-wise, story arc-wise, it is held up in the highest of highs as far as video game tiers, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover Spider-Man 2 from characters, and I'm going to touch on the story as I go from character to character. Obviously, we're going to save the Spider-Man for last, but I'm going to go through characters, see what pops into my mind, give you my thoughts over the gameplay the story and that's basically it i mean as far as the sales i ain't really want to get into that too much it sold well i believe um i actually didn't look up the sales that's like the first time i ever didn't look up sales for a video game i'm not trying to like i don't think it was anything bad like i think i saw somewhere where mario uh outsold it as far as like a week after because you know mario apparently right now is like one of the greatest games since the the um 
Mario and Yoshi game. I forget what that was like. Super Mario World or something like that for the Nintendo DS. Like now, they're saying like this Mario game is on par, on par with that. So that's like outselling Spider-Man at the moment. But, but if I had to look up sales. Interesting. Seems like it's not the greatest, honestly. I mean, first week, of course, because people got to buy the game. But after they bought it, oh, after, after they bought it, <laughs> can y'all tell I can't talk? I was playing. After they bought it, I think the engagement went down. It probably had something to do about the game being supremely short. I know this is one thing I do want to address. A lot of people are like, I don't know if it landed on me, because you know how they say if the shoe fits, wear it. Well, I'm wearing it. People are saying. If you know life the game, how are you going to complain about it being short? Well, let me tell you something. I know life Elden Ring, and it ain't take me no two to three days. Like, I beat this game, Spider-Man 2, I'm talking about, in two to three days. Elden Ring, I've been no life in for the longest. Still ain't beat the game. I swear I got like 40 to 50 plus hours on that game. I mean, I'm close to finishing. I probably will finish it, you know, when the DLC is announced to lead up to it. But... You can know life a game and still not finish it. Spider-Man 2 is around 20 to 30 hours full platinum uh, completion. Not just beating the main story. I heard the main story is like 20 hours at most. <clears throat> but 30 hours is the most for platinuming the game, which if you don't know, is when you get all the trophies in a video game. And it seemed like Insomniac purposely made to uh the trophies easy to get so you would platinum the game so they could be like oh y'all not getting your games platinum like us well that's my first critique spider-man 2 is very short it's like they really went in and calculated how much content should we give consumers for 70 dollars it's literally like insomniac or the higher-ups whatever went up and was like hey 70 dollars how much content should we slice that down to and if you look at it, it's like five dollars and in uh is it five dollars an hour sorry i can't do math give me a second let me see 20 times five no that's not it <laughs> uh let's see 70 divided by let's do let's say the most like let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt let's say 30. so you're paying like three to four dollars an hour on spotify i mean not spotify on spider-man 2. obviously i rounded up a lot but you know you get what i'm saying um <laughs> uh, yeah so the sales aren't really out out of this world they basically are saying that starfield picked up and then spider-man 2 broke like his legs as far as like its rise and ascension but now it's like kind of leveled out and mario's kind of overtaking them and they said Spider-Man 2 sold more on day one than Starfield did. It's not a console debate. I'm not into that. That's not really my cup of tea. I think console debates are set for people who actually get paid by the by either company. You know, like if um, Phil Spencer came out, he was like, you know what? Xbox Game Pass kind of trash. Then I'll be like, whoa, hold on now. <laughs> but, you know, for a random Sony pony to say Xbox Game Pass is trash, they have no equity in it. They literally are... are or flag, oh not flag. What's it called? Gang. What's it? What's it called? They're rapping for a gang that they're not even getting paid for. Isn't that crazy? Anyways, um, okay. This is the stat I was looking for. So they said Super Mario Bros. Wonder has topped the UK physical charts for the second week as Spider-Man Two slips to third. So obviously people bought the game, 
day one and then it started to to lessen because they say it hasn't sold more um uh, should i see they say it was the fastest selling but as far as longevity it, it's it's not really it's doing well because it's spider-man like come on now but it's down 69 percent in physical sales in its second week so just to put it in perspective spider-man 2 is the fastest selling game but longevity wise it, it's um super mario bros took over and granted mario as a gaming character is way more superior than spider-man like come on now <laughs> so um it is surprising to see it drop more than uh 69 because if you think of it in, in movie terms that's, that basically means people went to go watch the movie the first day and then that was it because it sold a lot but that was it like it was no like oh only a 20% or 30% drop and people are gradually starting to get acclimated to the game. People knew the game was coming out. People copped the game day one and now the sales are tailing off because basically, you know, sales don't drop like that in Spider-Man 2 is. So uh, with that out the way, I did want to get into some stats. So I'm, you know, calling myself analytic dreams. I had to get into the analytics or this one have been an analytic review. So <laughs> um, I'm glad I was able to give you all that. So I'm not saying Spider-Man 2 flop. I'm just saying that it definitely didn't have the legs that we thought it was going to have and deservedly so because as I get into the game, you will understand that even though I'm biased in my infatuation for the Spider-Man character, I will say from a gaming standpoint, it did seem like they was holding back content to put behind a paywall in the foreseeable future. <clears throat> All right. So with that being said, let's get into spider-man 2 no pun intended um <laughs> it was a little late on that but uh so the story of course is about peter and miles morales with them coexisting in the same universe which i think is very interesting because i'm not gonna go on a whole nerd tangent but usually it's either one or the other miles morales showed up in the ultimate universe peter parker died Peter Parker has his own universe in 616. Miles Morales does not exist. That's how it was introduced to me. So to see them coexisting is a nice change of pace because I do believe they can both coexist. But some of the problems, even in the comics, is that they will be having issues that they could call the other Spider-Man for, which is why they usually have one and the other because if Peter's having a bunch of trouble, you could say, oh, why does he not just call Miles? If Miles is having a bunch of trouble with a villain, he could ask, or people will ask why he doesn't just call Peter. Like, they're literally just blocks away, right? So that's the whole conundrum you find yourself into when, or you get yourself into when trying to have Peter and Miles Morales in the same universe. So for this game, to execute that perfectly, I think needs to be acknowledged because this could have went horribly wrong as far as having peter and miles in the same universe i will say quickly and then i get to the rest of the cast i will say that they put not not potentially intentionally gave miles morales more mesmerizing scenes and by that i mean the way that mysterio is handled the way that Martin Lee is handled, that's Miles specifically going through those trances and giving us 
really picture perfect moments in a spider-man game if that makes sense also spider-man going through that portal for black cat where he just ended up in like what looked like a um call me ignorant if you want to but it looked like alaska or something like i don't know where he was at he was in poland like where was that man at and what was he swinging on <laughs> but anyways uh so basically they intentionally gave miles morales more mesmerizing scenes than peter i believe that's my per that's my personal take on that which i don't have a problem with i'm just pointing it out so i thought it was a good balance because obviously you want to get into the peter and the symbiote storyline so they went to the highest degree to make miles morales missions stand out i mean the one okay i'm getting into the review so i'm not going to speak too much more on that but they did a great job on making me interested in both miles and peter when it came to being spider-man because obviously tv in the past and comic books in the past have not done it justice let's say that so <clears throat> All right, let's start at the bottom and go up. So let's start with Aaron Davis, right? Aaron Davis in this game doesn't have much to work with. Basically, he's retired. Well, not retired by choice. Retired by a parole officer. You know, he's on uh, house arrest. And the biggest surprise... Also, this is a spoiler. Spoiler review. So if you don't want to be spoiled about the game, then I'll just, you know, put this in the... I don't even know what tab you put this in. And then come back to it, you know, as or after you beat the game so basically Aaron davis is playing a small role in the overarching overarching story line in spider-man 2 he's basically there to showcase that he's changed in that he has miles's back which is uh which is capitalize on what capitalize i think that's right basically is capitalized by miles morales mom also changing her thought about his uncle and giving him a place to stay that was basically it so he doesn't have too much to do i'm trying to think yeah i mean you had your aaron davis missions where you was going around collecting his tech but it really didn't cultivate into anything except you realize his mom gave him a place to stay um close to them so yeah that was basically it okay so getting into black cat black cat is also like aaron davis his very small part and doesn't have anything to do with the overarching storyline except for she gave the location for tombstone when he was captured by craven's villains so i thought she was pretty used i think i thought she was used um pretty sparingly i think you could have had black cat a lot more in this game and by a lot more i mean forget an mj mission imagine if we had a black cat mission like come on now like i feel like it's right there as far as having a lot of characters that are interesting because spoiler review remind you but remember when you was playing as venom how crazy that felt they could have had something like that for black cat easily i mean she could have been flipping around and had her own move set but obviously that takes effort and resources so they was like nah we just gonna have her in the game for like two minutes granted that mission that black cat and miles was in was straight fire one of the standouts of the game that's why i pointed it out at the beginning when i said she uh teleported him into the tundra or whatever um i thought that was pretty funny so anyways what else so black cat had a very sparingly uh 
she was very uh she was used sparingly and i would say that she pushed forward the storyline and they didn't want to overuse her <clears throat> so black cat is similar to aaron davis as they don't have too much to do with the game all right so the flame the flame if you don't know analytic dreams video if you want to see me go through and talk about each and every person on this uh, list so getting into the flame which is next on my list the flame basically was used to set up carnage and i thought that was pretty cool because i did not see that twist coming and you'll hear me say that a lot throughout this review because i believe a great storyline is one that keeps you guessing and me being a huge spider-man fan i think i have it pinpointed to the point where i'm predicting the ending right i'm just completely wrong like i thought one thing with uh, miles morales boyfriend i thought she was gonna be like a villain or something like luke cage or something crazy but it ended up being like some random guy and his, da his daughter was the easter egg like stuff like that they really keep you guessing throughout this whole storyline is and it's very um purposely written to throw you off if that makes sense like mysterio mysterio the main guy who's actually mysterio running well i haven't got to him yet so anyways the flame is to set up carnage and they did a great job on that i i think they'll probably use carnage in um spider-man 3 like i don't think they'll use them in dlc at all and we're gonna get to the dlc after my review but um they're not gonna use them for dlc they'll probably use them for spider-man 3 so that being said let's get into wraith so wraith is basically the cop from the spider-man ps4 dlc because that's when she transitions into wraith and you kind of see her motivation and the spider-man ps4 dlc so if you didn't play it you won't understand why wraith is the way that she is right you would just think that she's just acting crazy <laughs> like how'd she go from being a police officer to uh um a murdering anti-hero right <laughs> so yeah it, it it definitely uh her character progression in the dlc makes wraith make sense in this game and the fight with her was great i liked her performance every time she came on the sc screen you could tell she was not playing around even when you did side missions taking people out and then she would join in uh when you interacted with her she wouldn't give you no high five no nothing like she was strictly business and that's another thing playing in this game and really taking over the fact that you're a superhero and people can join you and there's other superheroes in the world is just gratis uh it's really satisfying because i don't know if y'all know but most superhero games is only that one superhero in a large city and it's all up to him but in this game you get a sense that it's just a plethora of other superheroes capable of taking down uh, villains and enemies just like you are so I like that, how you can get into a uh, a random crime and another superhero will pop in, whether it's Miles, whether it's Anti-Venom, which if you don't know, Anti-Venom can pop up in one of the random crimes in the scene, or no, after the mission where you um, basically rescue uh, Tombstone, he can pop up as Agent Venom. But only as Miles. I don't know why it doesn't happen as Peter, but whatever. Uh, it has his own animations and everything. So it's a nice Easter egg to let people know not to rush through the game. Because if you play as Miles, go to a random crime scene, Agent Venom will pop in. They'll have their own unique dialogue, another attention to detail, and it's just straight fire. So 
yeah um wraith was fire <laughs> i got on a side tangent but wraith was a great continuation of the story she was really attached to the flame storyline that she was also trying to catch the leader which ended up being cletus cassidy which is carnage so he got away of course he'll be used in spider-man 3 but wraith was a great partner for peter for that uh, whole flame arc tombstone tombstone was interesting because he was basically used as a damsel in distress even though he was holding his own quote-unquote you had to rescue him out of prison and i thought that scene was nice because that's when you get introduced to agent venom you get introduced to harry being or having the symbiote because if you don't know at the ferry at the fair when you're rescuing the people from the roller coaster uh it starts to fall on peter agent venom which is harry has to show up and this is before he's agent venom with the suit he just has the symbiote and he has to hold it up for peter to save the people on a roller coaster so i thought that was cool how tombstone was incorporated in a way that not only he pushed the story forward but he was also incorporated because some of the villains in spider-man from spider-man ps4 is just completely missing like where's rhino where is shocker where is vulture obviously they was killed by craven but where are they <laughs> like you ever heard the phrase show don't tell they had a great moment once again i'm gonna keep ragging on mj side missions simply for the fact that they have so many interesting characters in this game imagine in this game where most of the game you're playing as peter and miles right but then you're also instead of the mj side missions you're also having craven side missions where you're going and killing the villains that would have been so fire like each and every villain you would have had a boss fight and then the ending c would have been craven killing them obviously there's not an no r-rated game so it would have been it would have had to been off screen sort of like how he killed scorpion how they showed that like that's how the ending scene could have been but if you was playing as craven while you was taking out these different villains because they literally just said oh rhino's dead vulture's dead and you learn those in the mj missions that's why i bring that up rhino's dead vulture's dead oh he clipped his wings off like you're telling us all this stuff but you're not showing us anything the only thing they showed us was craven taking out scorpion and who cares about scorpion i want to see how he took out electro because he was like oh he was the easiest fight yeah i bet i want to see it <laughs> just because y'all ain't animated um you know seeing is believing so i ain't like but how, honestly how was craven gonna take out electro and how is he gonna take out sandman he was trying to take out sandman for the longest that's why Sandman at the beginning of the game went crazy because Craven threatened his family or his daughter or whatever. So he was like, I'm going to find you by any means necessary. So then he blew up to that huge uh, monster. So that was wild. I was like, why tell us that all these villains from Spider-Man PS4 are dead and not even show us? Like, it doesn't even have to be long. Like, if you don't want to take my idea about having a playable Craven, then at least show us the action because it's like an in-game uh what's infinity no it's like in infinity war when they said oh thanos already has the power stone like what <laughs> you're not going to show us the scene of him going and destroying a whole entire civilization just to get the power stone like it that is one of those things which is like come on now like show don't tell and with craven and uh no with ryan vulture and shocker i was disappointed by that i'm not even talking about how spider-man could have uh had that hilarious interaction like he did in the 90s tv show where he's yelling shocker i'll chase you to the end of the earth like yeah you, you ever looked that up that that's peak comedy 
peak comedy. I ain't gonna lie. The voice actor for the 90s cartoon, I don't know if he's still alive, but I'm acting like they super old. But uh, I'm just saying, like, he he just did a tremendous job in that uh, TV show. It's just, I don't know if it was great or if it was just hilarious. I don't know. But anyways, they, they missed that moment. I ain't, I'm not even mad about that whole shocker in the black symbiote not interacting. It's just more about show don't tell. Anyways, um... So yeah, that's Tombstone. Not really too much important, too important to the story. Then we have Haley Cooper, which is Miles's significant other, well, love interest. I don't know, one of those. And she's uh, deaf, I believe. So she has a disability. She can't hear. Um, there's one scene in the game where she's basically going around and spray painting the walls. And I thought it was a pretty interesting scene because you don't hear anything to mimic, you know, her... Uh, disability but at the end of the day i thought it was pretty solid i thought it was a nice uh change up change of pace and what usually the side missions are and do i think it went too long maybe i thought it was going to go too long but then it ended so it, it, it like it, it tests your patience but it's definitely a pretty nice uh mission because imagine just listening to silence while doing a mission like come on now <laughs> um what else dr connor so Kirk Connors, of course, turned into the lizard. That was one of the main villains Craven wanted to hunt down and kill. Uh, I think he ended up surviving, so at least he survived. But the thing with that was the chase scene and then fighting him was amazing. And that's what made me feel like they should have shown the other heroes. Because I'm like, if that scene was so amazing, why are we not seeing that more often with the other villains? Like, it was just so many opportunities to implement villains that you literally have the license to. It's almost like, it would have been different if Marvel was like, all right, we're going to use Shocker, Vulture, and Rhino in our next Avengers game. You basically have Spider-Man's whole rogues gallery and you kill them off screen? What? <laughs> it makes no sense. But whatever. Lizard is just... A showcase of what insomnia can do if and when they choose to show villain uh boss fights so lizard was a standout in the game one of the best boss fights if i had to rank them i guess i could do that now i would say venom by far like come on now uh number two will probably be boss fights boss fights you know a lot of venoms was venoms was nice like Venom versus Peter on the high school football field made me feel like I was playing Ultimate Spider-Man when at the start of the game, you fought Venom on that football field just 10 times better. So that's by far number one. Number two, it would have to be Venom versus Kraven. And then number three, I'll probably say... <clears throat> I want to say... The Sandman fight. The Sandman fight was a nice start to the game. So yeah, that'll be my top three. Yeah, that'll be my top three. And um, so yeah, Kurt Connor survived. Basically went back into a human form trying to help out Peter with the symbiote and, and things of that nature. But um, at the end of the day, he didn't really have too much to work with. But, you know, he, he made the most of it, I guess. Uh, Norman Osborn. Now... That is the main player, because when I tell you his arc made no sense at the end, this man went from begging on his knees for Spider-Man to save his son to seeing his son out of the symbiote, and then he's like, what did you do to my son? That absolutely made no sense. It's, it was almost like when um, Star-Lord 
hit Thanos while they were trying to take the glove off. It was like, bro, do you not know the main mission? <laughs> like, you was told the main mission, you agreed with the main mission, and now you just completely put it in, je in jeopardy simply because of your feelings? Like, I was so confused. Like, the way that he was like, what did you do to my son? It was like, did you not want me to take him out of Venom or not? <laughs> it was like, it'd be different if his son died or something, you know, because then I understand. Be like, dang, I told you to save my son, not kill him. But his son was obviously breathing and stuff because of miles like resuscitate him. I think that's how you say it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he was still upset over Peter and miles. And he kind of takes a backseat in this game, which makes sense because he's probably going to be not probably he is going to be the main villain of Spider-Man three. This may be a spoiler. But I could see them going the ultimate comics route where he powers up into not the Green Goblin with the glider. He'll probably have that as well. But I think he'll power up in the ultimate Green Goblin way where he's like a, a hulking figure. And he'll probably get Peter to beast and he'll probably die. I ain't gonna lie to you. Like, they'll probably fight to the standstill and Peter will probably die in Spider-Man 3. Because at this point, they already said Miles is the main villain. So now... You know how Peter was the main villain, uh, main hero of this game. Next game, Miles will be the main hero. So it's going to have a focus of Miles with side Peter, which is still the same as Spider-Man 2 because I, I feel like they've really balanced the two. I don't think Peter was the main Spider-Man and Miles was the second. I think they was both really balancing the storyline. So I think that's what they're going to do with Spider-Man 3. They're just doing a publicity stunt saying Miles will be the main Spider-Man. I think they're just trying to drum up some type of talk over the game because everybody beat it and it's just like radio silence. <laughs> so, um, yeah, with, with um, Norman Osborn at the end of the game, he was basically telling Dr. Octopus. It's not Octopus. It's Dr. Octavius. Why did I say Octopus? Oh, because of the arms. I'm tripping. <laughs> Dr. Octavius. Uh asking him like what's the names to the spider-man he was basically like you know i ain't gonna tell you and he's like my son's dying and i think he said he said something like good or something I'm like dang that boy cold-blooded ain't he but anyways i believe they'll team up uh, begrudgingly i think that's how he said and take out or try to take out the spider-man because i think norman and dr octavius took a back seat for a reason like i found it strange that craven didn't go after uh dr octavius when he was really the main villain but i don't know maybe he just forgot about him like what <laughs> it made sense why he didn't go after spider-man that was one thing i was wondering about i was like why is craven not going after spider-man first i thought it was just because he was scared of him but then i realized oh he's going after somebody who will kill him if they defeat him like if spider-man defeats him he's gonna turn him into the cops like he wanted somebody to kill him which is why when the venom thing happened he was like yes like do it like i was like it was kind of weird because he was like dying from some type of illness so he wanted death by battle he didn't want death by like incarceration like dying in prison you know what i mean so i think that's why he didn't go after spider-man but anyways because he always kept mentioning he was holding back so i was like why is he not going but then it made sense so so Rio Morales. So basically, she's like the mayor of some, I forget, Brooklyn, I think. And this is the one thing I'm I'm disappointed at Insomniac for. Why not play off the fact that everybody knows in Brooklyn what Miles looks like in Spider-Man? In Miles Morales, the game, at the end, he had his mask off on some train type moment. And everybody was like, he's a kid and all that good stuff. And then this game, they act like it just never happened. Like, he's putting his mask on, going around. Like, obviously, he can just be out willy-nilly. But, you know, 
at least have some type of nod that people know you're spider-man like i maybe i missed it i don't know maybe i missed it but people in brooklyn seem to not know who that spider-man was and i'm like in his game he literally had his mask off and it was like anyways so with her i think she was great to push the emotional plot uh the va the voice actor was amazing obviously going between different languages um it pays to be bilingual and uh rio morales is definitely the epitome of that as she she uh delivers some fantastic lines and languages that uh, in another language that i just don't understand so hey then you got Genki lee um he was interesting he was really the guy in the chair like talk about a complete ripoff that uh mcu did for uh peter's best friend like with ned lee just being a complete ripoff of Genki uh lee because if you don't know in the comics Genki was real popular which is why the mcu ripped off ned lee from him in the comics because they was like peter needs a best friend let's take the best friend of miles and just give it to peter in the mcu and nobody would notice well guess what everybody noticed it was like this is a complete ripoff of Genki. so whenever you see the best friend of peter ned lee and the homecoming movies and you look at this character just know that character came first in the comics it wasn't like oh miles and took peter's best friend now like nah but <laughs> uh, miles had that in the beginning and then peter took it so is that cultural appropriation i don't know anyways uh so yeah ganky lee basically was the ultimate guy in the chair really helped out a lot so he helped out a lot with uh peter and miles he was an intricate part of the team and uh i don't know if ganky and miles and mj had too many interactions but it seemed like they should have talked more but maybe i'm tripping like maybe they should have had back and forth like oh uh, i mean i guess that would have been that would been like boring like oh what is your uh what is your uh, logistics on this? Well, you know, I triangulated the position and I think it's right here. Well, okay, let me run that through my system. Like, we ain't trying to hear all that. Uh, so that makes sense. But I feel like Genki and uh, MJ was just as important to the Spider-Man team. Which is, so I am, I'm in, I am <laughs> interested how Genki goes forward because I know in the comics, he ended up being a villain. I don't think that happened here, but you never know. So anyways, um, Venom. Venom with uh, with the MVP performance. I ain't gonna lie to you. When Venom showed up, it was it was it was uh, it was tumultuous times, man. It was it was crazy. Venom showed up and immediately you was able to play as venom you know what i thought insomniac was going to do and i don't know why they didn't do this literally the opportunity there's so many opportunities that the insomniac missed that just seems like they were just rushed throughout the production or maybe just somebody didn't think of it but i just feel like it's just so obvious like having venom playable is as obvious as having venom fight spider-man you know what i mean like imagine venom was playable and you didn't fight spider-man oh wait that actually did happen <laughs> so when venom first shows up right i thought we was gonna get a scene where so basically venom eventually well harry gets the symbiote suit back from peter if you already played the game you already know what i'm talking about got the symbiote suit back from peter then he started to grow into venom and then once he grew into venom i thought we was gonna see uh, a huge life bar pop up and it say spider-man instead he just flings him across the room and then he's just passed out for the rest of the venom mission i'm like what in the world is this i'm like come on 
like I feel like the opportunity is right there. I feel like if I was a game developer and I seen that, I'm like, why not just have Venom whoop Spider-Man right there on the spot? Like, <laughs> like what are we doing? It doesn't have to be no long fight. Like you could have took out his health bar, uh, his health bar in like three or four shots, but still like make it some type of fight because we had all the mechanics. Spider-Man already has his mechanics. Obviously, we've seen a CPU Spider-Man help out. I feel like the mechanics are already there and they just completely botch botch that whole interaction but whatever um you got to play as venom and it ended up being one of the better missions in the game as at the end you took out um craven and you bit his head off so you basically gave him the defeat he wanted which is defeat by death <laughs> so he wanted a death battle type scenario which is why he never went after spider-man he knew if spider-man beat him it was just gonna be you know turn you into the cops so yeah venom at the end of being of just running rampant like hulk style just through everything uh ended up biting off craven's head in the middle of Times square so there's a scene for you speaking of that craven all right so craven obviously main villain of the middle act i think craven was done to the highest degree to make him a very um intimidating villain he had his own theme song and everything and the voice actor was great um i do feel like we should have been able to see at least see him take out the other villains in spider-man ps in spider-man ps4 like it should have been like he took out the villains and then you cut back to the mission like you know how there were certain camps where you go to it and you hear uh, voice recordings of him talking about his family, his family like killing each other, basically for the approval of Craven. Some sick stuff they had going on in those uh, voice recordings. But I think they should have also had some type of video recording that you could have seen, similar to how they did Scorpion, literally how they did Scorpion. That computer, he could have clicked on another one and seen how he took out um, the rest of the villains. Because I'm like, I just don't believe he's able to take out Electro. I don't care what nobody say. Electro is, is pretty powerful, if I do say so myself. So, you know, not that I've, you know, fought him or anything, because, you know, fictional character, but y'all get what I'm saying, right? Anyways, all right. <laughs> Harry Osborn. I feel, I think Harry was lackluster when it comes to voice acting. The voice actor could have been better. I don't know if it's just because he was next to Yuri for most of the game, but... The, the dynamic was there as far as Peter and Harry's relationship. But when Harry really had to hit home those lines or those voc those emotional uh, delivery, I don't think he really hit it out the park. I think it was like bare bones and mediocre. So uh, that's just a complaint I had because it was just obvious compared to Yuri Lonethal as uh, Spider-Man. It was like, dang. Like, imagine having to record voice lines against him. Like, you just, that man was getting outperformed. It, it was like if, if Steph Curry was shooting against Jordan Poole, it was like, dang, you really see the difference. And hear the difference. <laughs> but anyways, um, Harry, as a character, um, had a great story arc. And it made ex it made complete sense. I'm mad that the de developers lied to us about Harry not being Venom. Like, if they're going to lie to us about that, then what else are they going to lie to us about? I'm like, at this point, 
you can't believe nothing developers said like they pulled the okie doke on us they said they've been said harry's not gonna be venom so we out here thinking oh maybe it's eddie brock maybe it's peter come to find out it's actually harry like what in the world like y'all just gonna lie straight to our face that's crazy so anyways um as you see in the gameplay uh <laughs> i have uh <clears throat> well i don't know if this will play exactly when i'm talking so but anyways i'll just tell you in general i had fall damage off so some of the gameplay you see i may uh run into some stuff and some of the gameplay also may be a little blurry and that's because when it transition because i record in 720 at least but when i transitioned to youtube it only had 480 so i don't know like let me see i don't know why that is honestly I got to look at my YouTube settings, but yeah, it had 480p as like the max. So that's kind of weird. I'm not going to lie. I don't know. I don't know why, but I record. And so the, what I was seeing on my screen and my game capture was a little different than what you're seeing on here right now. But <clears throat> whatever, I guess it's uh, a lesson for the future. But what else? So Harry was good and his voice actor could have been better. Let me just leave it at that. Mary Jane Watson. moment of silence man moment of silence for all the constructive feedback we gave to insomniac after spider-man ps4 when i tell you they heard that and in, in it with in one ear and out the other i really mean it like they must have really thought that we was joking about not liking those mj missions <clears throat> the way that they use mj in this game was obviously to push the storyline forward and to show us different plot points that you may have not gotten as spider-man which i completely don't agree with that but it was very much to the point where they was trying to make you feel like mary jane was the second coming of black widow the way that she was taking out professional assassins the way that she was taking out symbios mind you that was dodging peter's attacks like you got to the point of the game where you had the only this is thing in the game was it's parrying it's a new feature and the insomniac spider-man it wasn't in miles and it wasn't in uh spider-man ps4 basically you have to parry attacks right if pair if peter has to parry to hit these enemy types you you gonna convince me that mary jane is out here one-shotting symbiotes i come on let's really think about it <clears throat> now obviously it's a superhero game so i'm already suspending my belief but when mary jane watson takes a point blank like dart to the chest and takes it off like nothing happened i was like all right okay bro what are you about to tell me next she she hulk like she about to grow into a hulk or something and start fighting them like that was just really unbelievable like at some points in the mary jane missions it was just like it was eye rolling like at least last of us with ellie they don't have her going through none that's like oh wow she's a superhuman like it's just human stuff right she took a whole tranquilizer dart from a professional assassin and kept shooting like it was nothing at that point i'm just like that's bad writing like it's only so much i could suspend my disbelief in a superhero game and that's saying something <clears throat> so the mj missions was terrible they could easily replace that with a uh, playable craven taking out the villains from the spider-man ps4 game or just not have her in the game like not have her in the game I'm, I'm not saying that but not have her playable like this simple this i think it's simple whatever um 
So yeah, no more MJ missions, please. Like I'm begging you. And I already know next game they probably gonna because it's like the double downing on it. It's like it's almost like when an artist puts out a bad album, everybody tells them it's bad or not bad. When an artist puts out a bad track on a very good album, and everybody tells them the album is phenomenal except for that particular song, and then they go in and they're like, "Oh, part two, <laughs> part three on the next album." It's like what, like. Am I a joke to you? <laughs> like, are we giving feedback or not? Like, oh, I'm so confused. So MJ missions was just too much. And the way that she, they had her playing like Ellie from The Last of Us, I feel like in Spider-Man 3, she may literally just be taking out people on some um, rooftop beat, like some, some Black Widow, Spider-Woman type beat. Like at this point, they may act like she actually has the symbiote still in her because um, if you don't know she turns into a symbiote which is one of the greater scenes in the game reminds me of when peter from the mcu spider-man was in a car with vulture and his and his uh daughter that's how i felt with spider-man well with peter harry and mj in that uh aunt may house scene that was fantastic but anyways uh venom gives mj some of the symbiote you know not by choice um and she becomes Scream. If they work it to where she still has Scream in her system, that will make sense. That will make sense. But as of now, she's just a regular human taking out professional assassins and symbiotes. Superhuman symbiote. So yeah, man, I don't know. I feel like they're just going to double down. Like, might as well get some Call of Duty producers, while, uh, Call of Duty developers while you at it for the next uh, Spider-Man game because MJ just going to be out there shooting like crazy. So anyways, Miles. Getting to Miles Morales, it's simple. Fantastic, amazing story arc. I really like how he was factuated uh, on Lee because that was the killer of his dad. They really pinpointed that home. Because in Spider-Man PS4, I feel like a lot of the plot, plot points wasn't built uh, built up, up upon with Spider-Man 2. But for Miles' dad dying in Spider-Man PS4, I love how they focus on that. Because that's a real driving factor, just like Aunt May is, or Uncle Ben was, or still is, for Peter. So I love how they drove that home. Uh, the whole fighting Peter and actually winning with him having the symbiote on, I think that showcased how strong Miles is at this point in time in his uh, arc and showed that he's capable of becoming a main Spider-Man. So I really like how they performed that. And then Yuri. Yuri Lowenthal as Peter. <clears throat> if he doesn't get the award for best voice actor, I ain't gonna lie. Man, I have to throw the whole game awards away because the performance that he gives as Peter, I'm not, I'm not kidding you when I'm telling you it's night and day compared to everybody else like the only one that's probably close is probably the voice of venom which is tony todd that's the only person like all of these other actors are good right except for harry i, I felt like he could have did better but all the other voice actors are top-notch right even even miles miles does a great job uh naji jeter he does a great job as miles but i'm telling you when gary lorenthal starts to voice act is really it really is like watching steph shoot versus watching other people shoot like his range especially not to mention especially when they go to the younger missions as younger peter and the way he changes his vocal inflection compared to uh current time peter classic 
masterclass on how to voice act in the game i'm not gonna lie to you like it's it was really some special stuff and it made even more sense when they told me he was the voice actor for sasuke i was like ah it was anime voice actor you know they they have all type of range don't they (laughs) so anyways um he did fantastic And, and peter as a character i will say that the way that he went throughout the game and kind of dealt with Aunt May's passing seemed to be easier than I thought he would have took it, if that makes sense. Like, I know they showed him flashbacks of him crying when Aunt May died and stuff like that and thinking it was his fault, but I feel like the arc of MJ not moving in with him was weighing on him more than Aunt May dying, which, you know, maybe that was intentional, but I feel like the Aunt May part should have been more prominent, but maybe some people disagree with me because you know i feel like there was both prominent i'm just nitpicking at this point peter's storyline in arc uh, along with miles which is executed just it was just excellent excellent execution with both of the story arcs it's just obvious stuff in this game that they left out that could have been implemented that's already there two playable spider-man co-op that's literally the the foundation for co-op you already have the mechanics if you had co-op with the um I forget what the mode is called, but it's basically when you go to you die. I forget what that's called. If you had that type of mode and had leaderboards, like that would have been insane. Obviously, it probably would have broke the game because now that I'm done with the characters, let's get into the overall game, right? The bugs and glitches are out of hand. Y'all gotta stop releasing these games with multiple game-breaking bugs. My game restarted two to three times, and I'm telling you, the amount of bugs that I had where I couldn't advance the mission where I had a restart checkpoint was more than double digits. So I'm like, the amount of vitriol that Cyberpunk 2077 got, I'm not saying Spider-Man 2 is on the same level. But as far as bugs and glitches and game-breaking bugs, I don't know if people was really pinpointing that like they were for Cyberpunk 2077. Now, I think that's a little double, that's a double standard right there. I, I ain't gonna lie to you. Like, imagine any other, imagine if Starfield, if Starfield had game-breaking bugs and glitches that led you to believe that this game was rushed, I don't think y'all would ever let them uh, live that down. So, yeah, the bugs are out of hand. They really do need to fix this game. Like I thought Jedi Survivor frame rate was was laggy at times. Spider-Man just sometimes straight up just like glitches out. Like you will be in a mission. And one of your one of the last people you gotta take out would be like underground and you can't hit them. So now you gotta restart the checkpoint. Or one of those birds will fly into a building and now you can't hit it. So now you gotta restart the checkpoint. Or you'll defeat all the enemies, but the game won't notice. So now you're just walking around. Now you gotta restart the checkpoint. Or you're playing in the game and you do this move and the game completely breaks down. Blue screen. Now you gotta restart the mission. Like, like it's so many bugs. And those are like only a, a few of of the multiple bugs i ran into so for that alone it definitely can't be game of the year like it's just broken um game breaking bugs are not really acceptable for me because if it's bugs where you can get past i don't care like if it's bugs where it's clipping stuff like that i don't care but game breaking to where i have to restart the checkpoint or restart the entire game multiple times you can't have game of the year not for this year for this time span the release window 
your game was a buggy mess. <laughs> so I still have Jedi Survivor as my favorite game of 2023. But from a bias standpoint, I would personally prefer to play Spider-Man more. But from a game package and from a gamer perspective, Jedi Survivor is still my game of the year. So uh, I know I titled that uh, for episode 131. And I did that on purpose because I wanted people to think that I was going to say this game was game of the year, but definitely not. I don't even know if it's in my top three, honestly. Like right now, I go off of what I've played and also what I see. So for me personally, for me personally, it's Jedi Survivor. It's Baldur's Gate. It's Armored Core. I would say, let me see. What other games have I played? I would say Remnant 2. And then fifth. Fifth, I would either say Zelda or Mario. Actually, no. Change. I haven't even thought about this list. I'm just going off the top. I would change Zelda or Mario to number two. So I would say Jedi Survivor, Mario, or Zelda. Um because I don't think you can have both from Nintendo in one category. Baldur's Gate, three. Armor Core, and then I would say Remnant, two. So yeah, so Spider-Man 2 doesn't even make my list, honestly. And it's not because it's, not it's a bad game. It's not even, hey, this game is amazing. But it's just the bugs. Like, from a objective standpoint it's just not a complete game it's buggy mess a lot of modes are missing easy implement like easy modes easy mode to uh implement is co-op like like or some type of local co-op like you already have the gameplay mechanics the other spider-man already jumps in to save you for uh different uh random crimes it's like come on it's right there and i feel like they was just i don't know if they was rushed if they was lazy i don't know what it was but it's not in the game. So that's just un unacceptable. So with that being said, that is my Spider-Man 2 review. I'm trying to think of anything else. I'll probably just get go all over the place at this point. Um, as far as the story overview, Venom by far was the standout. Best villain of the game. Um, I'm, yeah, I like I like when I go by character because I, I break it down pretty... I even think... I, Mysterio wasn't even on this list. That's funny. So Mysterio, uh, talking about him, he was a plot twist that I give credit to the whole writer's staff. The way that they wrote this whole story was fantastic. I would think this will happen, that will happen. I would think C will happen, D will happen. Like it was just very great with this plot twist to the fact that I thought Mysterio was actually bad, but it was the people he was surrounding himself with. That was using his technology against him to take out Spider-Man, I guess. I don't know what they thought they was about to do with that technology. But, um, yeah, so that was a nice plot point. And Mysterio had a pretty nice presence with that. I'm trying to think. Anything I missed? Uh, I think it's basically it. Venom. I wish it was more Venom. That's the only thing I would say. They, they obviously took from Spider-Man Web of Shadows as far as inspiration, which is nothing wrong with it. I mean, you know, as long as you're improving upon it, which they definitely did. But I wish Venom, I think Venom section probably lasts about two hours, maybe three. Could have been longer. 
definitely could have had a longer buildup of of spider-man trying to find venom and then getting to the point where he's putting the rock together and taking over the whole uh new york because the way that web of shadows did it it was already laid out for you could have had way more game but like i said i feel like they looked at that total price split it by hours and it was like all right this is as much content we're going to give them and i was like dang shame on them because i already know dlc is coming apparently is you know i said i was going to speak on that then but apparently daredevil dlc is coming so it's going to be completely different from this storyline so none none of these plot points are going to keep showing up which is interesting but um so we have to wait to a whole nother game to get more venom and i don't know about i don't know about y'all but i don't know if everybody can wait for that 19 you know what i'm saying like some people fiend for it some people do the unthinkable for that 19 you know what i'm saying <laughs> and that's how that's how i'm in my review so anyways uh click my link tree in my bio let me know on one of my social medias do you think spider-man 2 is the greatest game of 2023 and if you don't what is your favorite game that's came out this year former head of playstation worldwide studios sean layden has some interesting concerns that even me myself I've been thinking about this for quite some time now as gaming really catapulted off of COVID to the point where almost all of the revenue dollars for gaming has increased, whether it's a streaming lane, whether it's the professional gamer lane, whether it's a game developer. Well, some of these developing studios are going out of business, but that's another point. So probably not them, but you get what I'm saying. There's a lot of different avenues in the gaming space now to generate a nice living for yourself. So when Sean Layden came and basically pointed out the biggest issues in gaming, I thought it was pretty interesting as he pointed out some very interesting details that I've been thinking about, but I haven't been able to explain it like he did in this clip right here so basically if you don't know there's a new episode for lucas Egan, i believe and it's called the land parties pod and he had sean Layden come on to talk about some of the biggest issues for gaming and then this was a snippet for the episodes of course here's the link um if you want to see the video element analytic dreams video on my spotify channel to see the video along with the audio but there's the link right there and his uh twitter page if you want to go to it and click that link but anyways <laughs> here is the snippet for the the episode that's already out with sean Layden. strangely enough though in gaming of course we have that weird kind of elasticity elasticity on the the cost it takes to create a game but not elasticity on the price you can charge for a game. So whilst, you know, making a game in PlayStation 1 era, there were really solid sub-million dollar games. And even some of the bigger games in PS1 era, those were five or six million dollar games. And you could charge $59.99 for it. You come up to today and you have these enormous, massive narrative experiences or, or huge scope RPG that go on for, you know, tens of dozens of hours. Um, which costs in excess of a 100 or 150 million dollars to make, and yet you can only charge 59.99 for it. So it doesn't take a whole lot of math to see how eventually you get to the pinch point. In fact, I think we're there, 
-hmm. where in order to substantiate taking the triple million dollar risk in building a game, you got to understand it's incumbent on game producers and particularly in the finance department to do their best to de-risk the proposition. You know, how do we pull some risk out? And some of the risk you take out of it is innovation because innovation is risk. So you end up seeing a lot of people leaning into sequels because we have the previous iteration of the game. We knew how many it sold. We know there's a captive audience of X million people who will probably buy it if we build it again. You know, part two, part five, part nine. And that's one way to de-risk it is to go to what. All right. So basically he pointed out how the cost of making a game is exponentially larger than the price you could set for said game, which I've been saying as a consumer, called me crazy, but it's almost like looking at something improve, stay at the same price range, and you're like, you know I would pay more for this type of experience, granted, if you do it right, because to be the devil's advocate, which I gotta come up with another word, because you know, I ain't advocating for the devil, <laughs> but to argue the other side, I would say, a lot of these games nowadays are coming out a buggy mess to the point where even the price tag that they set is unjustifiable, whether it's a cyberpunk when it, uh, when it first came out, whether it's 2K was asking way more money after the $70 price tag in terms of VC, whereas you can't even play the game. $70 to get 2K basically is just to get the quick play mode because if you want to get into my career, you have to pay way more money to even compete with other gamers. Then there's other games where it just comes out a complete buggy mess. Already said Cyberpunk. Uh, Spider-Man 2, I'm sorry. I got to throw it in there. Definitely a buggy mess right now. And for that, I do believe that there's some leeway or there's some common ground we can get to with the price point set for games versus the price it make it takes to make a game because i do believe that they should at some point raise the the bare minimum price because if you don't know most <clears throat> basically gaming is an expensive hobby it's not a hobby for everybody to enjoy right it's not one of those like oh i need it's not like food or water right <laughs> you don't need to game so it's an expensive hobby it's a it's a luxury so if you can't afford it then there's things out there that lends you to be able to afford it like uh bargain bin deals uh discounts uh in-store credit like there's a lot of different games that you can get at a discounted price so that these games when they first come out i feel like the premium price i could see it justifiably being raised as a consumer i know i'll probably sound crazy advocating for companies to increase their price point but hey that's where i'm at as a gamer so Anyways, he also went on to talk about other things as far as larger game publishers uh, hindering creativity. Because if you don't know, if you have a backer who's funding everything and you try to do this creatively, but he's like, hey, I'm paying for this. You're going to do this. And maybe it's worse, but guess what? Now you got to go with it because he's already done funded so much and he could pull out any second. So then you have large con conglomerates slowing down the creative process, according to Sean Layden. This is also his words. Um i played the snippet but the whole interview is out so i'm getting into all his key points then he went into non-endemics i think that's how you say it companies like google netflix apple amazon entering the gaming sector as are viewed as 
potential disruptors, which kind of makes sense. Gaming, like I said, grew larger when COVID happened because entertainment outside stopped completely, of course. So where do people get their entertainment from or the escapism? Because, you know, you had to be in the house. Like COVID at its peak, it was like, we don't know what this does to your body. So everybody just stay in the house. So what do people in or started to do more of game so gaming rose to new heights similar to how when fortnite first came out a lot of people who never game in general just started to pick up a game just to play with their friends right that's kind of how gaming blew up in COVID. it was like a fortnite part two it was like a whole new explosion of new gamers hopefully that makes sense all right so then sean Layden went into industry disruption which i right, talked about that uh studio acquisitions he also uh, talked about that as a problem saying that the acquisitions of small independent studios by larger conglomerates definitely will stifle uh, stifle creativity and studios may be absorbed into larger enterprises affecting their independence and then he talked about how that you know just affects the whole console well not even console he i mean he he said Sony and Microsoft are basically the console war going on, how it affects that and um, how those two conglomerates are basically racing to acquire the most studios. And he believes, Sean Layden believes that this may lead to less creativity as more teams are focused on servicing blockbuster projects, which I'm not mad at. God of War was pretty solid. Ragnarok, you know, besides the trillion puzzles they put into the game to increase runtime it was pretty solid as a game as far as gameplay mechanics spider-man 2 i don't care if it was a buggy mess i still completed it and it was a fire game from start to finish um last of us i've never played last of us not gonna lie um ratchet and clank straight fire <clears throat> i'm trying to think of other ones horizon forbidden west D those are just some i'm naming off i'm not gonna name up off all of them but basically i like the blockbuster games i feel like if you have a cohesive unit putting together a game and it turns out like this then i'm okay with it like if they was putting out some trash like if god of war spider-man if all those was like trash games then i'd be like okay let's try some new ip but i think the route they're going is pretty on on point because if you don't know sony's by far and away winning the console war and i'm not even like a sony pony i mean i have a playstation simply because of spider-man but that's why playstation is winning the race because people are looking at playstation like oh i can play these games and i can't play it on xbox that's why microsoft like sean Layden alluded to is out here literally buying whole developing studios like a bungie like an activision they're really going into getting whole development studios so that they have a plethora of games under their umbrella so really in the long run microsoft could end up being 10 times or having 10 times more exclusives good exclusives than sony but right now it still looks like sony is winning the console race and then sean Layden went into importance of preservation saying that the cultural and, and historical importance of preserving games for future generations and also call for industry players to realize that their responsibility and preserving gaming content and gaming if you don't know has a very horrendous preservation problem because i don't know what it is but nobody loves to keep the old consoles they either throw it away they don't keep uh 
they don't clean it or keep it up to date basically they end up breaking to the point where we don't really have too many retro old consoles and if you do you could probably look on the market and sell it for a nice a pretty penny if you was wanting to but i would definitely it's like stock at this point like not that ftc or whatever ftx or whatever that uh scam stuff was i'm talking about actual investing into your old retro consoles and keeping it up to date clean and things of that nature so that in the future you could probably sell it like i said for a pretty penny so because i don't know why but gaming is really struggling with uh, preservation issues so with that said um sean Layden also reiterated concerns about the impact of of gaming industries creatively with the big studios getting involved which I mean, that's going to happen with any form of entertainment. If somebody's going to come to the table, realize that you're bringing something creatively so they want to fund it, no matter how creative you are, if they're funding it, they're going to want you to do certain things that works for them. So if they want you to put out a game and you want to include this character, but they're like, this character is so cool, we got to put this in DLC because that's going to that's going to boost sales a, um, via Street Fighter Six and uh, Akuma, then you're going to listen to your investors because one of the biggest things that companies love to do is look at the stakeholders <laughs> and be like hey whatever y'all want but you're going to do it because you don't want that money to suddenly disappear so with that being said i think sean Layden is definitely on to something in this podcast i mean of course you can listen to it for yourself i have it up right here as far as uh luke uh Egan, lucas Egan and sean Layden. Uh, I don't know how long the episode was, but that was just a little snippet that I played for y'all and wanted to get into the over his overview thoughts. But definitely he goes into more detail as far as all of the points that I highlighted. But at the end of the day, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about gaming preservation? And also, do you think gaming has a problem with Microsoft and Sony racing? to acquire game development studios do you think that would be a good thing for gaming or do you think in the long run it will be bad for gamers a lot of people believe that megan the stallion's year-long battle or years long battle was only with daystar peterson aka toy lanes but what they do not know is that one of the biggest behind the scenes beefs that we've seen in the music industry for quite some time now has been megan the stallion versus 1501 certified entertainment and the reason why this is such a huge dispute is simply for the fact that the person over 1501 certified entertainment car for Carl Crawford has a lot of different ties in the music industry, making it very difficult for Megan Thee Stallion to navigate when it comes to releasing, marketing, and collaborating with certain musicians. With that being said, that means she's beefing with some pretty powerful people. Uh, people. Put Tory Lanez to the side. 1501 Certified Entertainment themselves have made Megan's life very difficult to navigate musically so now with this with the update in this case involving an amicable parting of ways between megan the stallion and 1501 we've came to a conclusion finally and the way that this conclusion has been settled after years of battling back and forth with her own label 
they have finally agreed to part ways and not talk about it. So there's an NDA side assigned on both sides, it seems like, because Megan Thee Stallion hasn't talked about it. And 1501 put out a statement, which if you look at Analytic Dreams video on Spotify, you will see the video version along with the audio. But basically, 1501 and Certified Entertainment put out on their Instagram page that, quote, Megan Thee Stallion and 1501 Certified Entertainment are pleased to announce that they have mutually reached a confidential settlement to resolve their legal differences as part of the agreement as part of the arrangement both parties have agreed to amicably part ways i can't talk both megan and 1501 are pleased to put this matter behind them and move forward with the next chapter of their respective business 1501's president carl crawford said quote all of us at 1501 wish Megan their very best in her life and career. Well put by 1501 Entertainment, basically not telling us how much royalties or excessive charges was placed on Megan the Stallion, you know, because technically 1501 was suing for over 1 million in damages. No, no, no. Megan Thee Stallion filed a complaint seeking over one million in damages. So 1501 obviously wasn't wishing her the very best in her life and career because they was trying to ruin it. <laughs> and Megan Thee Stallion started to run up the numbers and realized that they costing her millions of dollars. So with that being said, with this statement, it's very interesting. And nobody even talked about the actual contractual numbers of the agreement is basically like oh we came to an agreement and now we're gonna let her go like what happened like i want to know what happened as a certified researcher of hip-hop i gotta know what happened like did some suge knight type of pill happen where they met one of megan's agents and they was like hey you gonna make her sign this whether you like it or not like uh suge knight did easy e or was it just um or was it the other way around? Did Jay-Z pop up? Because if you don't know, Rock Nation, which is under Jay-Z, was trying to sign Megan Thee Stallion. But Megan Thee Stallion claimed that the deal was below industry standards when it came to 1501 Certified Entertainment, which is why she was trying to go to Rock Nation. And, go to, and she went to court to do this, to get her unfair contract... Um, settled or disputed or whatever so anyways basically she said that oh no 1501 came out and, and said that she's not meeting contractual obligations because she's now releasing music like she put out a track called like something for the hotties i think it was like a whole project and 1501 was like nah we need some of that because you ain't fulfill your contractual obligations so now we need all of that <laughs> like we're talking about millions of dollars that 1501 is coming after so for this settlement it's confidential for a reason right millions of dollars out in the wind both parties express some dissatisfaction with what they was receiving so now for them to come to an agreement i gotta know what happened y'all not gonna do this for years come to an agreement and i'm not gonna know which side is right like at the end of the day I feel like this is the Tory Lanez Megan the Stallion situation all over again. They made a huge deal, went to court, 
they came to a uh, conclusion and i still don't know what happened <laughs> like literally if you ever watched the toy lanes or not watched but heard read about the toy lanes and making the stallion trial they said the exact same thing they were saying before they went to court like i thought we was going to get some details like oh okay he shot me right here that's why this and this like basically it was the same exact details we was getting before the case and then they came to the conclusion right the same things we was hearing with 1501 saying that megan hasn't fulfilled her contract obligations megan the stallion saying that oh uh, her contract with 1501 was below industry standards so that it should be disputed so i'm like now it's like now that they came to an agreement, I was like, who's right? Like, I don't know which side is right in this whole equation, which seems to be a common factor when it comes to Megan the Stallion and problems that are existing with her. So, obviously, I'm not targeting Megan the Stallion because 1501 seems like they have been satisfied with the agreement. So, something happened. I don't know what happened, but something happened. And so, since this is finalized, Megan Thee Stallion finally dropped a new single titled Cobra, making it her first release since leaving 1501 and the res resolution of the legal battle. So now Megan Thee Stallion is back again to come back in full force, which Cobra's been out, but I wanted to cover the contractual side of why she's now, just now, putting out music. So with that being said, um cobra as far as a track i'm not really going to give a review i'm just going to say it's fire like i can't go into de detail because megan the stallion can really rap so i couldn't listen to it like once or twice or two or three times and pick out what's my favorite part of it but as far as the entire track megan the stallion is back like she never left and i never really doubted that she would out rap her competition because the competition is like people like sexy red <laughs> so um and I'll take that back. I mean, Megan Thee Stallion is put up there with the lyricists. So I would say a Nicki Minaj, a lot of is probably her competition. So, you know, can't can't disrespect Megan Thee Stallion's pen. Because one of the more blown away moments I've ever experienced was when I was watching the Double XL freestyle and the baby and Megan Thee Stallion was going back and forth like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen like they was really bouncing off each other is that a pause I guess not I don't know uh they was going crazy with the freestyle on that double XL cup and if you don't believe me look it up the way they, they was rapping they was running that beat and it was insane to experience so with that being said, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about making the stallion in 1501 certified entertainment finally coming to a settlement after years long battle between both of them? And since we didn't receive any details, which side were you on? And now which side do you believe came through as the victor? DJ Academics has came a long way since covering the war in Chirac. From calling people Chirac savages to Grim Reapers. Now, fast forward into current day, current time, he is beefing with the likes of Glorilla. So, technically, it's progress, right? Anyways, basically, DJ Academics is quote-unquote going against glorilla for her comments over kaisenet and not kaisenet specifically but also bringing in academics 
while offering her apology to Kai Sinet. If you're confused, let me break it down. So Glorilla, right, is a rapper. If y'all didn't know, you know, with Sexy Red blowing up nowadays, it seemed like people just forgot about Glorilla. But hey, let me remind y'all, she does make music and puts it out on DSPs. One of her latest tracks that she put out was titled Cha Cha Cha, which if I had to tell you a blatant lie, I would tell you that is the greatest track of all time, right? Just keep that in mind. Kai Sinat, which is a content creator, came out and basically gave a negative review of her song Cha Cha Cha. So what does Glorilla does? She does the most logical thing you can think of, which is to block somebody, right? I mean, if somebody disagrees with you, why not just block them? Isn't that just a more peaceful society, you know? Blocking somebody always fixes the problem, right? Obviously not. So <laughs> Kaisenet basically realized that he was blocked on stream, like live on stream. And he got not upset, but he was like, dang, like, I guess they had some history as far as uh, him liking her tracks or whatever. And thought that it was cool to the point where he thought if he criticized one track, I ain't, he didn't know she was going to blow up uh, off of that. So basically she did. Um, Kaisenat didn't care of course went on with the stream and then later on when Kaisenat was doing his live stream from jail which a lot of people had critiques over but that's another subject for another day he realized that Glorilla tweeted out that she's drunk and might mess around and unblock Kai to which Kai responded and said stand over there basically stand on that side and don't switch over you chose your side, no need to switch up now because everybody started to get at Glorilla for blocking Kaisenet, a, a streamer, a content creator, over his opinion over a track. So with that being said, Glorilla tried to basically plead and tweet about getting Kaisenet touched in jail, quote unquote, and going at Kaisenet in a way that made academics respond because academics was basically saying Glorilla was not gangster to be talking to Kaisenet who is a content creator like that and that is where the back and forth came from academics and Glorilla. Academics jumped in calling Glorilla an idiot quote unquote and said that she mistakenly believed Kaisenet was in jail which honestly if I had to give my personal perspective I think what happened was Glorilla was actually trolling with Kaisenet, but not with academics. So once academics called in or jumped in to call out the what I feel like was a troll from Glorilla towards Kaisenet, I think that's where things got messy. If academics would have stood out of it, I think it would have been all good and what they say, fine and dandy or whatever. <laughs> but after academics called Glorilla an idiot and a goofy, I mean, she had no choice but to respond. So basically, she responded to academics saying a bunch of things. I'm not going to go through all the uh, tweets. It's all public knowledge, and it's really not important enough to reiterate. All you need to know is that they was trying to roast each other back and forth and basically came to a, came to a common ground of nothing's going to happen because of this back and forth. It's basically them just throwing insults over each other by typing in a keyboard. So with that being said... I think the biggest thing to highlight with this is rappers and reviewers. Artists are very sensitive when it comes to their 
creations because it's like a baby to them like literally they're creating this sometimes from scratch most times not but <laughs> um basically it's their baby right they're creating it has their name on it their likeness and they want it to be received well you know sort of like anybody who's ever had something they created and are proud of they wouldn't want to put it out for the consumption of the world and then the world tells them it's trash nobody wants that to happen but the way that you go against reviewers and critiques is not just to block them on social media and show them that you offended i would understand blocking if kasanet went on some tangent about something off out of the industry or out of the music but simply speaking on cha 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 he kept it pretty light saying that wasn't for him it wasn't like he just called it straight up trash uh dog water worst thing he ever heard he didn't even say all that he basically said it's not for him so basically academics definitely should have stayed out of kaisenat and glorilla's beef but glorilla in the first place shouldn't have blocked kai and kaisenat in this whole scenario which is caught up in the mix so maybe this is why he doesn't strictly review hip-hop because he knows that you hip-hop artists will get offended if he gives you a negative review there was allegedly reports that offset was supposed to be on kai Sinat's live stream from jail but apparently kai Sinat didn't like his album so he ended up not going to the live stream if you remember offset was in the jail trailer for the Kaisenet jail uh, live stream, but he didn't show up in the actual stream. Why is that? Because apparently Kaisenet didn't like his album. That led to Offset not going to his live event in jail, which in turn goes back to my point, whereas I'm saying artists versus critiquers, you got to understand the place in their industry. They have to tell or speak their mind. I would not advise you to follow anybody who you feel like could be swayed by somebody just acknowledging them or giving them a shout out wherever they're uh living at right so with that being said i do believe that at the end of the day <laughs> glorilla is getting replaced by sexy red and let me tell you as a marketing person myself going at dj academics and kaisenat is the quickest way to to end your career and i think glorilla well, eventually, and probably already has eventually, or subsequent, uh, subsequently, subsequently, no, subsequently. I think that's how you say it. Y'all know the word I'm trying to say, right? I'm not taking that out either. I'm see, I'm, I'm <laughs> hey, I'm leaving that in there. <laughs> so, anyways, Glorilla recognizes the mistakes, the mistakes that she's made, but I do believe that she will rectify them at some point in the future because public perception already has replaced you with sexy red you do not want the pioneers and not even the pioneers the biggest of the biggest influencers like a academics like a kaisenet to say that your music is not good and you're falling off because if that ends up being a narrative goodbye to glorilla's career so that being said click my link tree in my bio let me know on one of my social medias what do you think about glorilla versus dj academics and what is your take on this whole situation and who do you think was in the wrong when it comes to music i think you have to have a certain fan base that specifically enjoys the music that you're putting out 
Now you think that would go without saying, but sometimes people glamorize the reality portion of it or the extracurricular activities of promoting something, but at the bare foundation, you need to have good music. And I think for City Girls, the focus have been has been off of music for quite some time. So that's why I believe that with this album they just put out titled Raw, sold 10,000 album equivalent units in its first week, debuting at number 117 on the Billboard 200 albums chart. So not even singles. We're talking about 117 when it comes to albums. So technically, it did chart. I mean, <laughs> if you want to throw some type of w in there technically they did chart at 117 but that's besides the point so city girls is under atlantic i believe i know they're under a major label but the last time i looked at it i believe they're under atlantic so if you're under a major label at the bare minimum you need to be selling at least twenty thousand. not even not only is this a bad look for the city girls selling 10,000 album equivalent units in his first week is also a very bad look for whatever major label major label they're under because that lets other musicians know that if you don't even promote your album because city girls seem like they're concerned with everything but music JT is basically being a service worker for little Uzi Carisha is out here talking about getting peed on by P. Diddy, ironically. And now they put out music together, coming back as the City Girls, thinking that Act Up was going to last all the way into 2023. And now they've sold 10,000 units first week. So I'm not hating on the City Girls at all. Just literally telling you where the perception lies for these two musicians. So basically, the album that they put out titled Raw was under quality control music which is exclusive license to universal music group recordings one of the biggest labels in the music industry they could have bought more than ten thousand units themselves so that lets me know that even the label has given up on city girls i wouldn't be surprised if you hear an announcement of jt going solo and then her being completely independent or Carisha, I just completely felt like she could do her own show, which is Carisha, please, and she will be all right. Like at this point, she has fell into that reality show lane. She's more of a Christian Rock than Christian Rock is. Like I feel like Carisha could really go with the reality portion of her um, career. But hey, that's <laughs> that's left to be seen because, of course. The whole Diddy connection is a little, it's a little tough to get that camera around while y'all are interacting and Dil Diddy's a billionaire. So I don't know if she had to get with somebody else. I'm just saying, I feel like her show, Carisha Please, having the limited amount of episodes it has and already having back-to-back, -back, was it? hip-hop platforms of the year from BET I think that's very telling in the direction that Diddy wants her to go in so obviously he wants her to get money outside of music and he's giving her a platform and a lane to do so because if you don't know Diddy was in talks for uh acquiring BET but for some reason that went through I don't know why but JT on the other hand I don't know what she's gonna do I mean she's mentioned she's you know tough times poor timing 
when regarding the album she said it was a lack of strategy and poor management basically nobody cared about this album and the sales show for it i mean if you're under quality control music the same label that birthed migos the same label that birthed little baby a bunch of other artists under that whole umbrella and bare minimum exclusive license on the universal music group recordings they could easily buy more than 10,000 album equivalent units themselves so this lets you know blatantly that they just don't care about y'all and if you ever have a have time to watch the breakfast club interview with jt and carisha they basically come out and say that i mean they basically say that hey people didn't really care about this album we've been wanting stuff to come out they said no so this is the time we had to put it out so basically they ain't care we ain't care nobody cared i was like dang why the album even out then like i feel like the only people who cared is the people who bought the album i mean you would think that's obvious but at this point maybe I'm rethinking that. Maybe people bought the album at a pity. Maybe they was like, hey, City Girls, they kind of struggling right now. So let's just buy the album to let them know that we care a little bit. <laughs> so anyways, I think the City Girls will be all right. After all that, I just said, I think they'll be all right. As far as the future plans, I already talked about that with Carisha. I really don't know what direction JT could go in. I would definitely say to keep featuring on other people's songs and try to come out as a solo act. Because... If Uzi, being your boyfriend or whatever he is, doesn't get you some type of longevity in the music industry, I always talk about the power of a cosign. If you get a cosign from Uzi, like a real cosign, like Uzi showing up on your album type cosign, you will sell way more than 10,000. I think that's the bar right now. Just sell more than 10,000. 15 to 20, you can come out and say, hey, that's an improvement. <laughs> and then the next time, try to get higher and then higher. So I think JT should go to single musician route i think carisha should go the podcaster route or not even podcaster just a a, a hip-hop show route or just a life show route as uh angela angela Yee does and basically showcase her per personality more because carisha please from the episodes i've seen it's pretty entertaining so with that said I know a lot of City Girl fans out there are pretty devastated with these uh, lack of sales, but just know one flop doesn't make them irrelevant. They're still relevant in a lot of other spaces other than the music industry. So you'll still see JT and Carisha popping up and probably the most like prestigious places with a P. Diddy or Uzi. So with that being said, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about City Girls and <laughs> their lack of sales for their album Raw? And what do you think is the biggest reason for them selling so low with their album? Getting into the overview of the pod for episode 131, of course, titled Greatest Game of All Time, exclamation point, question mark, simply for the fact that I finally gave my Spider-Man 2 review after beating it in two to three days. <laughs> so, and of course I 100% completed it because you know, that's just the type of nerd sweat I am, you know? So at the end of the day, I love giving my review of the things I've played. And so I gave a lot of different aspects of my perspective and my Spider-Man 2 review and hopefully enjoyed it. So with that being said, of course we started with the GOAT of music, which is Drake, and talked about how 
for all the dogs is aging like fine wine and is one of the greatest albums that he's ever put out and i gave some statistics to back that up then we transition into the queen of pop at this moment in time i could probably say as she had one of the best years as a musician i've ever seen in life statistically and I would say quality wise, but she re-released music. So I don't know if that counts, <laughs> if that makes sense. But anyway, she's nominated, of course, for a lot of awards at the BB, at the Billboard Music Awards and at the Grammys. So I wanted to, to point that out as obviously those award shows didn't care that she re-released or re-put out music that she re-recorded because she's nominated for Grammys and Billboard Music Awards. So we're going to see how many award she brings home as i'm thinking it's going to be a record breaking amount like they may mess around and joke that the billboard music awards was just the taylor swift awards at the end of her at the end of this award show cycle i think taylor swift would have broken a plethora of records at the billboard music awards and the grammys so anyways after that we transition into tiktok and billboard partner or partnering basically the biggest thing that you didn't know is that tiktok realized their space in the music industry to a point where billboard had to accommodate with them they had to come to some common ground consolidate some of the assets and realize that a partnership a strategic partnership was probably the best thing to do to move forward because at a certain point people were just trying to take talk take tiktok off of the map completely and then the legal process whatever was just probably like hey we're not doing that so i guess now they have to work with tiktok so billboard is now partnering with tiktok with the billboard uh music the top 50 billboard music awards for tiktok very confusing and of course at the top of them is people like taylor swift and surprisingly a sexy red so we're gonna see how this shapes up and how this actually affects the music industry going into the future then also we transitioned to SAG AFTRA finally reaching an agreement with the studios. This is his humongous deal. Even though a lot of movies and TV shows got pushed back simply for the fact that studios did not want to come out of pocket to pay for something that they could easily use AI for. So SAG AFTRA, which is the actors, they finally came to an agreement because one, they got a raise in pay, and also they were able to implement stronger guidelines and and barriers to studios using ai in their creative process so it's a win-win for the studios and the actors because the actors can go back to work the studios can start making money but obviously with the studios coming out of pocket more i'm pretty sure some of the lesser known actors and, and tv shows are going to start getting canceled because the studios are going to start deeming them as too expensive so it's a gift it's a gift and a curse but at the end of the day all you need to know is the actors are now officially done striking then we switched over to the gaming side got into modern warfare 3 talked about how which is one of the greatest games <laughs> no nah, i'm just joking modern, modern warfare 3 is a testament to you live long enough to see yourself become the villain because Lord knows if you would have told me in 2023, a remastered version of modern warfare three was going to be trash. I would have called you a straight up liar because the amount of not caring they had to go into making this project or this product 
had to be immense because the way the Activision put out this semi-DLC for Modern Warfare 2, that's what I'm calling it. I'm not even calling it uh, Modern Warfare 3 no more. This semi-DLC charging a full $70 price tag and thinking people was just going to be okay with it was beyond blasphemous. And I'm, I co-signed everything that people are saying about this game as no way you're charging a $70 price tag for a three-hour campaign and a bunch of remaster maps from modern warfare 2 like at that point you're just slapping people in the face and telling them to deal with it so i'm glad that everybody's calling this one of the worst activision games of all time then we got to the og fortnite of course because <laughs> if you don't know fortnite is back so basically the concurrent player count has reached an all not an all-time high but basically has reached a higher peak than it's past three to four years. So basically, Fortnite is back. Well, OG Fortnite is back. So now that you can play Fortnite in the chapter one map, I gave you everything you need to know about it. Basically, if you want to round up the boys and hop on Fortnite, like the good old days, you can now with uh, a new chapter one skin because it's still the same new graphics and mechanics, but it's just the old map. So with that being said, I think this marketing strategy was implemented at its finest time because now the Fortnite concurrent user record is the highest it's ever been in a while. Then we finally got into Spider-Man 2 and I gave my review. I talked about the DLC news and I basically kind of gave a rendition of what I would have believed, what I believe was is my favorite game of the year which i reiterate is star wars jedi survivor and also the reasons the multiple several <laughs> reasons why i believe jedi survivor is just an overall better game and that hurts my heart to say because y'all know i'm biased for spider-man but there's just so many things that could have easily been implemented that i feel like the lazy route was taken that I had to go the survivor route because i feel like the Survivor game left no st stones unturned. Then we transitioned to ex-PlayStation boss Sean Layden, basically talking about how non-gaming companies are disrupting the industry, going through a very in-detailed explanation on how they are affecting it and what studios are has the most effect on the gaming industry. And I thought it was very interesting, especially if you care about the business aspect of gaming. But if you don't, he also gave you some on-the-surface level changes that also are big deals when it comes to Microsoft and Sony. So that interview as a whole was one of the more in formative interviews that i've heard regarding gaming in a while then we got to megan the stallion versus 1501 if you don't know megan the stallion is not only beefing with artists she also beefing with whole labels <laughs> so she just can't catch her uh, a break so basically they finally came to a settlement but the way that the settlement is sounding 1501 put out a statement basically basically saying that hey we got what we want and now we good like we don't care what she do now so i don't even know what type of bag she had to give up to get off of 1501 but hopefully she recoups and makes that back with her latest album uh her single is already out now titled cobra on all dsps if you want to check that out then we got into Glorilla versus Kaisenat, really Glorilla versus Academics because of Kaisenat. And I kind of gave my overall peaceful conclusion 
and peaceful resolution to this situation. It kind of talked about how these situations could have been non-existent and how others jumping into certain people beefs kind of makes it 10 times more uh spicy than it needs to be if that makes sense so glorilla versus academics was enjoying to watch but tough and i mean tough to sit down and review because at the end of the day they're not really talking about nothing and they don't really have real beef <laughs> it was just a funny segment so then we ended off episode 131 with the city girls and not gonna lie i felt pretty passionate about this one because i do like the city girls i like carisha i like jt i like what they represent in the space of being able to talk about yourselves in certain ways that's accepted i think they really pioneered that wave some may say it's cardi b which i wouldn't be mad at but i think city girls took it to a level to where they was even out coming out on interviews and saying like i like to get peed on and i was like hold up now ain't that a <laughs> so i was like nah they took it to another level act up came out I feel like all the girls want to replicate that city girls movement. I heard city girl movement way more than I heard. I don't even know what Cardi calls themselves or whatever. But basically, you get what I'm saying. City girls started a movement about talking about yourself in a certain way and it being completely fine and acceptable. And that can either be a good thing or a bad thing. But just know at the end of the day, I had to speak on that because with their album sales with 10,000 units sold, which is just horrendous being on a major label. I believe that we have to pinpoint their influence in other fields and areas to highlight the fact that they will be all right in the foreseeable future. So that was about it for episode 131. Of course, thank y'all for tuning into the Notorious Mass Effect podcast and also have to thank y'all for just supporting week after week and getting us to the point where we have uh total downloads wise surpassed two million downloads now of course i don't know if i'm gonna do this for like three four five six million like as far as like a big you know intro or outro basically thanking y'all but i want to get to the point where i do highlight it frequently but if it happens too frequently like i may not make a not saying like a big deal out of it i'm just gonna say because y'all not y'all don't want me to spend like the whole episode talking about our achievements every single time like y'all want to update and again to the topic so <laughs> i'm not gonna spend too much time on it but next time i definitely uh, well I, next time i just won't make it as long if that makes sense because the intro did run a little long but i just love to show you all my appreciation because i could just be talking to myself like i could just be uploading stuff and then nobody listens you know what i'm saying and then at that point that's you know hey it's just me, myself, and I. <laughs> so I appreciate y'all supporting to the point where we surpassed 2 million total downloads. Hopefully we keep going into the future. I believe we will because this is only the beginning. And I really appreciate y'all's support. And also shout out to Feedspot one more time for putting me on their best Mass Effect podcast list. And as far as where we were, it's placement. I'm just saying we was top two in... We may not be, hey, we may not have been too. That's all I gotta say. So, anyways, thank you for tuning into this episode 131. And don't be afraid to send me an email letting me know what you think of the show and what you want me to talk about in the next episode. Also, click my link tree in my bio to access my social medias and keep up with my latest activities. If you want to support the show financially, click my Cash App link located towards the bottom of my link tree as it helps your show overall. 
Make sure to share this podcast and rate this show five stars or whatever platform you are currently listening on, as this helps the show reach more people so we can grow together and affect the masses. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Notorious Mass Effect. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.